Hey everyone, welcome back to the occasional podcast. That's the name now. I'm changing it. Boom. I have the power. Well, I can change it. I you can. Know it's easy. This That's is a triumvirate, not triumvirate. a dictatorship. Yeah, but I do everything. <laughs> uh, well, just just because cops are the people sustaining the power of the powerful doesn't mean that they are the ones that hold all the power, right? So you, you just I, what? So what? You do everything. We still have a say, right? Andrew, back me up here. The no, occasional podcast it. is a real podcast by Brian yeah. Hunter. It is yeah. a podcast about join uh, audio-centric exploration of high-fidelity listening. I, that, I don't know if that's backing me up or not. It, it felt I'm very confused now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what was even said? To answer your question, yes. Uh, I love, no, I didn't call you a cop. Key. I love one-word answers. They are useful. In <laughs> it that gives they me the illusion of a simple right. life. <laughs> yes. Anytime you're ever confronted with a question that you really don't want to answer, just say yes or no. Because then you have to ask a follow-up question, right? You have to clarify. Most questions that could get you in trouble have to have clarification. Uh, so if you never provide clarification, you can never be in the wrong. You just keep saying yes or no. That's, That's it. That's not the best strategy. The <laughs> just best the strategy. coin flip answer approach. Yeah. No, yeah. don't do that. That and will get any, you in trouble. And, yeah. And anytime someone asks for a very specific clarification to try to catch you into a yes or no answer, you provide whatever uh, would be a lie. But not a, like what? not an incriminating lie, but a lie to reality. So if someone says something like, uh, are you such and such? You say no. And they go like, so you're not such and sus, such. And then you say yes. No, that will definitely get you in trouble. If you're in no. a position where you're going to get in trouble by, by people asking you that stuff, that I, don't, no. I don't think your advice is good. Sorry to say. Yes. This is really The best solution. <laughs> The best solution uh, has to be like you hold on to whatever thing that you know you're right about, whatever thing that is closest to whatever is being asked of you, and you pretend you misunderstood the question. And you defend yourself very well, like in a truthful manner. You pretend you misunderstand. You don't let, let the other person ask any subsequent questions. You're just defending yourself on a thing that you know you're right. And they're like you're talking about different things, but think about it. People have conversations with each other where they talk about different things throughout the whole conversation and never reach an agreement. They do that all of the time, and yeah. everybody's all right. So you it's, just uh, it's called the middle third purpose. of this podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> the where Andrew and Colonel yell like about month. something, but not the same thing. <laughs> yes. So yeah, and everything is all right. So just do it on purpose. Somebody asks you, he does. Who ate the last cookie or whatever is going to get you on on thing? And he's like, I definitely had to have that milk. No one can or, have my cookies. I got an Oreo cheesecake, and no one can take it. The, the, Keith is just flexing. At this you can't point. reach. He, yes, he's I am. I, I am flexing. I worked out today. He's double flexing. Got shitty dumbbells, like and my arms feel stupid. They feel noodly. It's not stupid. It's noodly. <laughs> that, there's proper terms here. Come on. Get on. Dude, the first time I worked out, my legs and arms were so fucking sore for like three days. 
to the point where like that i was at the escape room like three days later and we're standing in the parking lot talking for like hours afterwards and every time i try to straighten my arms again it was like physical effort to do so and if i unstraightened them again then like a few minutes later they'd be hard to straighten again <laughs> and i'm like wow that was that really hit me hard and all that but i, I guess i must have done like a good job or something because like i wasn't like in pain that day that i worked out mm-hmm. it was just like the afterwards i'm like that must mean i did a good job but yeah. it's never it's happened again and now i'm like no wait no that's I... correct because the thing is that's the buildup of lactic acid that is generated by you being out of shape and exercising um, is that is it once is it, it never happened yeah. again makes me worry that i'm not doing a good enough job anymore <laughs> You probably won't be able to push yourself hard enough to, unless you're really in shape, you probably will never be able to exercise. To go back to hard. that soreness, soreness thing. Like I personally, my experience never, never felt like that, even at peak shape of like really, really pushing yourself and then being like, oh, this hurts everything. What I'm noticing is that the, the cross point between all the different exercises I try to do is my shoulders. And so those give out first <laughs> and you're like, shit. Mm. It's hard to target the specific parts of your body because the shoulders suck. And I just need, but that's, I think it's all just like, I needed to just keep going until everything's less embarrassing. <laughs> and then I can actually do a good job eventually. It's not embarrassing to be sore after exercising. It's embarrassing to be sore after you clean up your room or something <laughs> like that. It's embarrassing when that's you're breathing heavy because you'd walked upstairs. Yeah, that's what happened to me when before I started exercising. I was like, oh, today I'm going to have to, like, vacuum my computer case. Guess what? I'm going to feel sore for the rest of the week. And sure enough, I did. It's because, you know, crouching and picking up things that are more than one pound. Yeah. It's it's heavy work. uh, And Andrew wouldn't know this because he walks his his dog, so. I'm just, uh, I'm enjoying... I'm enjoying our, our little furry community in the Discord that just encourages each other all the time, basically. <laughs> and little, he says. In I mean, growing. We do have a we do have a commission that we're they're trying to put together where we get everybody's characters in one in one picture, or at least everyone that's willing to like put money up <laughs> because I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not paying for individual characters for like dozens of people. Uh, <laughs> but it was a. But it's a fun idea for a community thing to be like everyone. Everyone can pitch into this big thing, and then one poor artist just has a career for a month or two, <laughs> where they just draw one thing forever. But uh, that's a fun way to get everyone together. But uh, yeah, like people keep posting their artwork, and that encourages other people to draw. And then like suddenly, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try to draw every day for thirty days or something. Which I've, I, it's easier said than done because i have entire days that just fucking vanish on me i'm like whoops <laughs> so like, i i keep counting from one and i just can't i just say the next day based on whatever the previous day was that i actually did it because i keep missing days because it's too hard to make time all the time especially since like i'd be like like people talk about it, like oh yeah you just draw for like a half an hour or an hour every day or something but like whenever i try to draw it's like three hours or more like it's a it's a chunk of the day Mm-hmm. And then fucking uh, we, we've had some furry converts where people have ended up getting personas and stuff like that, partly just because they see what they want to be included. And also because it's just like it's like a fun community and they're, they're just kind of like realizing what this thing is and want, and uh, like realizing that they want a character and so on. So like Knox, one of my uh, discord moderators, got a, made a bear character, but he also like based it on like real photos and so on. And so he's showing these like pictures of him being fucking jacked <laughs> and uh <laughs> now and so now people are talking about working out and drawing and i'm some and that's kind of the the hole that i've been going down 
And it, I, there was like something about the timing that lined up where it was like, he's like just enough older than me that it almost lines up with the amount of time that he's been working out also. And so it's like, I could look like that by that age. It's like the mental like possibility that crystallizes. So it's like, <laughs> like fuck. It's like, I need to you get, like, I, I should just do that. I should, why don't I just do that? I, I'm, I'm a fucking YouTuber. I got bullshit flexibility in my life where I can like try to do that stuff. But the, it's uh, more of the consistency that's hard. Yeah. Like, and there's a lot of like social anxiety the... shit about the idea of actually going to a gym. Mm -hmm. oh, I just, that just sounds, that's why I got... again that's just like that's commitment and I don't feel like I can commit to something yeah enough to make the money I pay for it valuable enough like if I pay for a gym membership I want to be there like twice a week maybe like four times a week because it's yeah kind like of every other day like yeah and but I don't have time to do it every other day <laughs> like I I do have to I, do I just stuff. I just found like discarded I, dumbbells from a family member basically and I'm like haha here we go but then I'm almost immediately with the, the workouts way. almost immediately with the workouts you're like fuck you need a bench don't you <laughs> like there's a lot of yeah, you mobility <laughs> problems that you have if you don't have a bench specifically there's like not really replacements for it for the most part mm -hmm. uh, right you now, can use a you can it uh, so to do a good chunk of them obviously you can't do any stuff that requires you to lay on your back but if you don't need to lay on your back, uh, usually kitchen chairs are good enough. Um, like strong wooden back chair, kitchen chair. Yeah, no, you our, can our also house, get yourself our house is annoying. We've got too. stools. Oh. Oh. Um, we, got, we got bar stools well, for the kitchen bar. Alternatively, a ladder I, is also good. <laughs> I've also um, got an ottoman that I put, uh, that I hide my VR in when it's not when it's not hooked up. But like, but that's just oh, that's it's, not, it's, not, no, it's just not long enough. It's not big enough. Oh, it's damn. like the size of like a filing cabinet box, like that kind of thing. Uh, filing box, cardboard thing. Yeah, it's like, that's I mean, not that's... a good shape. It's it's not long yeah, enough. Yeah, and in that case, I... well, you have your your you, your you need like your apartment. As so... far as I can tell, you need like your butt and your shoulders to both be on the thing because you need to be able to like like arch it a little bit to like to be able to like target yeah. your chest or something. And it's like. I just need a, I just need another piece you, of furniture and the no room I have. Do you have? A, I mean, do you have space in your garage? Uh, not really. It's completely filled with the owner's hobbyist stuff. An actual nightmare in there. Do you I have to, like? I have to like crawl through it all every time I get to my my fridge like three times a day. Oh, that's not ideal, man. Every time I move into one of these places, I always get the I always have a, the garage fridge, which is actually nice. It's a annoying. I really wish I like, put the shoes on, but it's good in that everyone else is trying to figure out how to make their shit their shit fit in the house fridge, and I'm like, Haha, I have like several packs of drinks in here, cause fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> the least e efficient thing to store in a fridge. I get the that thing it's about like drinks. Yeah, that's. That's usually, thing about it's a, usually I, lemon black tea and cock and bowl ginger beer. The thing about exercise and, and um, consistency is it needs to be fun. Like you need to find it's not. The, you need to find the <laughs> dopamine hit. When you find the dopamine hit to to your exercise the first time, you like hang on to it as much as you can because that's well. First off, that's really good for your mental health. Yeah, I always hear about the fucking like the high people get or whatever, and I'm like, sure would love to feel that idea ever, because boy, do I never feel good about any kind of exercise. I don't know about lifting though. 
if how how that would work. I've never done anything like that. Supposedly, feels... uh, the fucking the hyena in my Twitter DMs always talks about that shit when he goes when he does uh when he lifts. But how great it makes him feel. I'm like, what? <laughs> how? What does that mean? That's a. I don't understand. That's like a self. Uh, that's like a a self hot thing. Like you beat the... that into yourself. Um, no. it is not I mean, natural. No, I think you just do it you for do long not. enough that it starts feeling good, essentially. Yeah, you're like you're you're giving yourself a a boost of adrenaline for like succeeding and keeping up with something, or like oh look at, no. look at the progress I've made. Look at me. That's not what it is though. Uh, like at least not in my I, experience. The, I think it's an actual. From... I think it's an actual physical sensation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the body physical you're sensation. Pushed... Yeah, because yeah, you're pushing the body so much that you're creating all sorts of, uh, I don't know if hormones are is the correct term, but uh, you're cr creating all sorts of uh, reactions in your body as you're exercising, and you know it's effort, it's a lot, it's a work, right? You're exercising and I you're, can't. you know, tiring yourself, but at the same time you're you're um, you're uh, creating all these sorts of things going on in your body, and if you feel pleasure from that, you need to hang on to that because it's. It's worthwhile, and also, as I said, it's um, it, you're gonna always feel that one way or another. But you can just focus on that more to feel it more, I suppose. And that, like, I don't that's know. why I, I... that's why cycling by myself for I did that from the age of fourteen to seventeen or eighteen, and it's like uh, like I practice by myself on average two or three hours a day for five days a week, and just going around riding a bicycle, and it's like it's super boring. <laughs> It's so boring because you're seeing the same roads over and over again and you're by yourself. You're just, you know, riding around at 30 or 40 kilometers an hour. It's not very, it's not thrilling or anything. It's just effort. Uh, but the the effort gives, at least I, I could find the rush in that and uh, and be like, yeah. And it's not even about just, I mean, the the it's cool to be able to set lim uh, limits or set goals for yourself and be like, I, I could do this before. Let's see if I can match it or if I can su surpass it. And that's cool as well, but like even just going out and 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 you know stretching my legs and being being active, that's pleasurable. And uh, yeah, th that's why I don't know if if uh, lifting is the same kind of same kind of thing because I see a lot of people who focus on on bodybuilding, focus on the feel the burn sort of thing. So there's more of a lactic uh, lactic uh, sorry lactic acid buildup associated with that sort of exercise. Um. But I'm sure you can like mix up mix up all sorts of other things like uh, full body exercises before and after to to get you pumping. I don't know. I I'm not I'm not the person to ask about that. I don't know anything about anything. Make sure you don't hurt and yourself though, because it is easy to, especially yeah. when you're uh when you're starting out. I don't know if I trust that because I I dedicated that much time playing Overwatch and I've never felt. <laughs> physical satisfaction doing that. So I'm pretty confident that's a load of shit. That's definitely the stuff. I can agree with Overwatch. Well, actually, I'm not, I can't agree with it. It's fun. Overwatch is fun. Wanna, I like it. If we want to take an even further step back, I've played video games about that consistently for an even longer amount of time and still have never felt physical pleasure. So I don't think you've ever felt pleasure. Definitely. That's definitely <laughs> not true. I watched Bleach Was it One Piece? Die. I, I've oh. never been more. I've never been happier. I tried to take life. it to a positive space, but like, no, of course not. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Bleach is Full a character. Spite. Bleach no, is the Bleach anime. Is, 
Oh, you watched the anime it. die, right? Oh, that makes no, it even I, well. Weaker I did watch that. the anime die. That I, that almost gave me pleasure, but then the manga was still going, so he was still making money. Not enough. Oh, I had to see it end. So watching it finally tank, fall to the ground, gasp <laughs> its last breath, and I sat there in its own home country, holding the issue that it died in in my arms, oh, sitting so, in Osaka. I'm so feeding confused a stray by the cat. hatred because to this day I've only ever watched the good part of Bleach. The first season Fuck off, <laughs> so awful. And I just never, That's I never Joe be on did that to me. I literally just watched literally... the monster. I watched the monster of the week episodes that are the first story arc, and then I watched like the save rookie arc where they go to the spirit society or whatever the soul society, and he, and he fights red haired chainsaw whip blade man, kunai with blade or kunai with chain man, uh, and then uh, and then bleach ends when they save rukia. <laughs> Just like how, that is, that just is, like how Death Note ends at the end of the seventy-five percent mark, and then the last twenty-five percent never happened, <laughs> except in Bleach's case, yeah. it's the last like ninety percent never happened or something. I don't know how long yeah, it yeah, went yeah. on for. In the last ninety. There are so many infinitely the, uh, long shows that where if you watch like two seasons and stop, you're actually just better off. In the anime, people say world. that about yeah. about um, Code Geass, and I cannot understand that. I thought it's kind of like, like, do you really need to keep watching uh, Dragon Ball Z when it's like they keep bringing back they're just another guy with three forms over and over again? Like, do you really need to keep going, or can you stop at like Frieza and be like, yeah, it's fine? The moment <laughs> they got into the Z, it should be. You can especially stop be, after Cell and not bother with Boo when it's the same thing again, <laughs> except without the androids, mm -hmm. so it's boring. <laughs> There was like drama I mean, was with like, oh man, Krillin likes 18, and oh, what these characters have developed into different personalities. Oh, he's getting them. Then Boo is like, what if there was another tournament arc with another three formed sociopath? And it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. I think it's they're still not, doing that to this great, day. But, with Super. Is Super over uh, or still happening? I don't know. I never watched any of it. Uh, Super's different. Super is. Uh, Isn't it also a tournament? Uh, so no, that was the that was this the series conclusion. Um, well, I, I guess it's still continue. I don't know if the anime is coming back, but I, the anime's conclusion was doing a big like a literal universe tournament arc. So like every every reality in the Dragon Ball universe had a tournament arc, which is just so much. But definitely like someone going, okay, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. Fuck you, going home now. Like <laughs> like this. That sounds exhausting. I heard Goku endangered the it, entire universe for fun, basically. Yeah, that was the tournament arc. Yeah, he uh, he literally was like, I will be, I, yeah, we're going to enter our universe into this fighting tournament and I'm going to win. Because if I if we lose, the universe just gets erased. That's just oh, the rules of the game. Dragon Ball so that you're responsible for now. murdering a bunch of other uh, universes. Yeah, Dragon Ball Super, it, it's not, I don't say, I wouldn't say it's old, old, but it's... I'm just processing that, like, I remember hearing about Dragon Ball Super on a podcast when I was sitting in my car in the parking lot at my old job, and I'm like, hang on a minute, wait, that was, whoa. You know that thing where you, yeah, like, yeah, no, it, uh... like, wow, the new thing came out, and you're like, maybe I'll get to it one day, and then suddenly you blink, and it's been six years, and you're like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, Dragon Ball Super came out in 2015. Like the DLC to Dishonored 2, which is like... Five years old now, <laughs> and I'm like, oh fuck! I am still playing Dishonored too, so you know. 
There's always like the inertia of like, I gotta relearn how to play the game so I can play the DLC. <laughs> and like, do I need to replay the whole game to then be like, I know what's happening in the story and so on because I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm thinking the second Dishonored is not as good as the first one. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm enjoying it. It's good. But I, like, I think both from a storytelling perspective and from a level design perspective, the first one was better. Maybe. it's I don't remember enough to compare. All I know is I liked Prey way more. Oh, Prey's and amazing. I'm, and I do have a bias in favor of sci-fi, but also that's it also has body horror and other fucked up things going on. And, I, and there's a lot that I like, but it's also like, oh my god. I, I, I know it's like a thing. It's like fucking... Uh, it's like that music genre some people hate. That uh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> that gotta uh, be a little bit more, a little uh, bit more specific here. Uh, Caravan Palace. Uh, uh, fuck, Electro Swing. <laughs> uh, it's like the video game equivalent of Electro Swing. The fucking like retro futurist stuff. Like it's like it's like a mix. It's the it's the mixture of futuristic technology crossed with the crazy oh, yeah. past stuff. But I fucking I love that aesthetic so much. It's and, great. And in, yeah, and yeah, it's in prey in some form again, in like a Bioshock yeah. but not kind of way. It reminds me of that one game that I feel like is never coming out because I haven't heard about it forever. But I think it's like in the Russian exclusion zone and like there's like aliens, and it's got a it's got that retro futurist thing going on with it. The Russian but, exclusion zone. I don't know. <laughs> you what? mean the Ukrainian exclusion zone? I don't of, know. Of Chernobyl or something else? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm mashing Stalker. words together that sound correct. <laughs> they kind Hang of. Hang on, scrolling through my Steam wish list because it's probably on Steam, not System Shock. Totally find it. I could, not Backbone. I don't know. I'm just naming the things that show up on my screen now. You should play Backbone. There's a lot of games I should play. I'm constantly tempted to make Andrew play Birth Me Code with me. <laughs> I what have never heard fuck? of this. What did you just say? <laughs> the name of that what? game. Oh. Remember that Animal Masks horrifying Freddy Fazbear Animal Masks looking game that's supposed to be like 999? Oh. You've, you've seen it before. It's just got a horrifying yeah. name. <laughs> like just a really I horrifying name. I didn't know that was name. what was... It was called. That's awful. Yeah, no, I, I only <laughs> remembered it while I was reading it out to you when I was looking at it. Fuck, it's not on my wish list. On uh, I don't know, that might be bad. If it's not on my wish list anymore on Steam, then maybe its page is gone. I feel like I added it before. Maybe that's why it's not coming out. BTMB2 is in here. Fuck, I don't know. It's really hard to think of a game when you just can describe it. <laughs> Unless you I, have a stream audience yet. right now that could be like, oh, I know. But it was uh, yeah. like it was one of those like maybe immersive sim ish, vaguely uh, Bioshocky feeling games that was announced like maybe two years ago, and it was vaguely Slavic. I feel like 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 a Stalker mm -hmm. style game that isn't Stalker, which is also coming back. Hopefully, uh, they tried to do NFTs and then they had to apologize for it. <laughs> anyway, this is really derailed, but yeah, the, I like yeah. fuck. I like but, those kind. Of, I like those things. They're fun. Mm -hmm. Podcast over. <laughs> Smoke oh, bomb. I like I, that. I, I I just remember that I had a podcast. I had a question open the whole time, but we got on workouts somehow. Well, we were talking about cheesecake. You uh, cheesecake. You were oh. you are eating. We really do latch on to anything, don't don't we? That's true. Yeah, we're like. <laughs> yeah. Barnacles. That's Brandon, that should be our 
Brandon Gage asks, uh, I'll, ask, I'll ask the bonus question first because, why are you all so handsome? Aww. Okay, real question. No. Do any of you have any experience slash stories regarding card games such as MTG, Hearthstone, Pokemon, etc.? They just oh. want us to talk about car TCGs. I have like exactly one. Which Can is I that. go first though? No, fuck you. Oh. My first oh. booster pack of Pokemon <laughs> I ever got at a 7-Eleven had a Zapdos in it. But I didn't understand how valuable a Zapdos was. So I traded it for my friend's Gyarados because it was a cooler Pokemon. But little did I know, the one existing... Because this is the beginning of all of Pokemon when it was new in the US. The, like the first, like basically the first deck you could buy just had Gyarados in it every time. So it was an incredibly common card, even if it is obviously cooler than almost everything in Gen 1. Uh, it was a huge trade down and I, that, that person wronged me and I've never forgiven them. Anyway, I don't play I don't play TCGs. Uh, I, the gameplay of Magic, I find the gameplay of Magic and Hearthstone fun. I don't really like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! But I don't want to make a deck, and I especially don't want to pay for making a deck. <laughs> so I pretty much just like playing the. I like I like playing card games. That's it. You say you don't play the, these games, but it sounds to me like you played these games. You bought a uh, booster player now. So the first time I ever watched Yu-Gi-Oh, it was on a Game Gear. <laughs> I had the Game Gear mm -hmm. like get TV signals thing that you could plug into your game gear and watch tv on your on the tiny game gear screen with its six batteries and shit <laughs> it's not an efficient way of getting tv but i was way i was sitting in a parking lot and uh i i, I found Yu-Gi-Oh and i'd never seen it before and it was the labyrinth episode in spanish <laughs> so i couldn't really tell what was happening but people were the two bald guys were summoning their monsters and it was like i think it was yugi and joey versus them and they're summoning their cards on the in the labyrinth, and uh, and I'm like, that's really cool. I want I want to play that game. So when I actually did get Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid, uh, I was disappointed. That's just a regular card game and not on a labyrinth grid. So I made I got a I got a big old poster board, and I drew a labyrinth that was all like card shaped tiles. And you the rule was that you could move by the number uh, the number of spaces you could move was based on the number of stars on your card, which is probably not balanced. But that was me making up a game when I'm like eleven. I also had the uh, I also had the Yu-Gi-Oh dice game on my Game Boy, which is that you would you would summoned monsters, and when you summoned them, the dice unfolded into like a grid shaped like platform. And when you're and one of your two platforms met, then they started fighting in the middle. Like you, like you were creating a grid, like it's of like walkable space for like a Fire mm. Emblem style tactical game. I liked everything about Yu-Gi-Oh except the actual version of Yu-Gi-Oh that you're supposed to play with the real cards. <laughs> like every ver every other version was better. But uh, no, my actual time like playing any card game is really short lived. I collected a lot of Pokemon cards when I was younger, but I just got a bunch of them. And like I, you know, you have your one binder. That's your whatever cards and your other binder. That's all of your like hollow foils. And I had so many fucking dittos that the actual like slot they all go into into my in my folder uh, split. No, <laughs> like it burst they because of all the dittos inside because <laughs> there was too many dittos. And I was trying to put oh my God. I had, when I had dupes, I'd put them in the same slot. The certain ones were kind of like flexing out and the dittos just physically ruptured my my uh, my, my think, binder. I think there was definitely a point you passed where you didn't need to keep those dittos anymore yeah 
I don't have any of those cards but, anymore because it's fucking it's Pokemon cards. I don't care. Now I've wrote, now all the fucking furries I know are obsessed with Pokemon cards. That's just to if you, to know Enro right now is just to be hit with a deluge of incredibly shiny, very busy looking art of Pokemon cards because I guess a new launch just happened or something. And I don't really <laughs> like the art that much. It's way too busy and way too hard to like parse at a glance. I kind of liked how really stupid Pokemon Gen 1 was. Like, it was a mix of, like, bad 3D and, like, lopsided, like, fucking Pikachu uh, popsicle art. Like, like, <laughs> but it was really clean. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays, there's they're, a really, they're there's aggressively a... designed. It's too much. Yeah. There, there's, like, a little bit of charm with the Gen 1 uh, TCG cards. But, yeah. No, yeah. I... All right, I all right. My, now you can go I... first, Colonel. <laughs> now I can't. the reason why i wanted to go first is so i could leverage you you guys both both of your stories because the the, my relationship with trading card games is uh, very shaped by the social economical realities of portugal in the 90s uh because spending 25 bucks or however much it was for a pack of cards it probably wasn't that much but like even the notion of spending money in cards, it was like, oh, so I go for the whole month without an allowance so I can have these cards and I don't even know what they are. That's insane. And uh, because that's the, my allowance was, was well, it was small. Um, and uh, and so the, all, my only experience playing cards is, well, what I assume many people also have that experience is just some friend had a, a pack of cards or a deck that they could like split in half, knowing more or less what would work and teach me the game of, Magic the Gathering, I played it a few times. I think I played other things as well um, with different sized cards, I recall. There were smaller cards somehow. I don't know what they were, uh, but it, they all played similarly because you had to have like terrains and then you had the whole power attacks and or, or uh, attack power and defense power and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I was never good at it, but it was still a, a fun time to spend some time, but never from a collector's perspective because that's just like, I'm a kid. I don't have money. <laughs> and my parents are just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't have money either. Shut up. So I, I like, yeah, that's my experience with, with, uh, with cards. So Andrew, um, you go, you go I, first. No? I played, I played a <laughs> uh, Pokemon and magic. I played Pokemon when I was younger. Uh, so like gen one to gen two was it, but not, when I say that, when I say played, I didn't even mean like a lot. It was mostly, I would say I had at most two decks um, worth of cards. And mm. they weren't good. Like it wasn't, I wasn't winning a lot of matches. Um, but that was just because it wasn't uh, finding you. Because the thing with trading card games, especially back then, was trying to find people to play it with. Otherwise, you are just collecting cards and being excited about having a collection. But if you're mm-hmm. not, if you're not around people that actually want to play the game, it basically is pointless. And so, like, I didn't really. I only had one person that played the game, and they couldn't afford cards a lot. So I basically just got. I, I had enough so that we had two decks that we could play because it was like the only person that would play the game with me. Um. And so that, that, yeah, once I finished, you know, that's, I basically was like, well, this is pointless. Like we just both have two decks made of really shitty cards. Like this isn't, this only will last for so long before it's not fun. Um, as for magic, I learned magic in my like twenties 
Like I played that at my first job. Um, and I learned from a guy uh, who, upon, upon teaching me, upon beating me uh, in my first game of Magic, he completely destroyed me uh, while showing me how to play the game. Uh, after doing so, he promptly got up, walked outside, and vomited into the bush violently. Um, <laughs> he was, As a show of uh, disdain, I assume. He was incredibly <laughs> drunk, but uh, it was very, it was very humbling to, to both lose at a trading card game you've never played before, lose terribly, and also the person who beats you goes outside and vomits. Like That is a really good combination of things to really set into you an inspiration. Um, I, I spent a lot of time with Magic. I actually played a lot. I collected a lot of cards. Uh, the deck I built, um, the deck I built to beat that guy who vomited, um, it actually was like three or four cards off of the deck that won, uh, a, won a major Magic tournament that year. Uh, I was doing a... Uh, a white halfling deck um and it was a fucking banger like it was a good deck there it was really hard to keep me down because i would keep getting life back so it was just this constant basically dead install uh to try to kill me you the only option was to like try to to basically wipe me out in one go uh was the counter but um but yeah i think i played magic for like couple of years like probably like two or three years and then same thing though like at some point i ran out of people to play with so i just stopped playing where i was like okay well i don't have anyone to play with i'm done which is like i don't know it seems like that's the the biggest hurdle of trading card games uh again probably like why anything, people play digitally now it. yeah yeah i mean that's yeah like pokemon's digital magic's digital like all the good trading card games are digital now so there's no reason for you to go out you know, have to go to a local card shop, interact with a bunch of people that you probably aren't going to very get along with in the long term, but are probably going to be at least something, someone you can play a game with. Uh, like it's, it's a lot of effort, but I guess if you like it, um, that's now my that experience. I now that I recall, I do recall playing or having, well, playing a little uh of tazos i don't remember how if they are i don't know what called differently but basically uh lays and uh the other associated chips brands uh let's see lays who owns lays lays is owned uh, by pepsico and yeah they have the, a bunch of um chips and they had they in the 90s they used to have ta something like these little like pog like um, discs of plastic or whatever they were inside of the, the chips the bags and you just buy chips as you would which I wouldn't because of money but you just buy chips and you get Tazos and, and, and uh, all the kids would collect them and have like different versions and every like few months there would be new ones and so it was all the rage but it was like it wasn't you wouldn't buy packs you would just buy chips instead and uh they were supposed to be played like that you'd stack them, you'd, you'd stack them all in a pile and then you just smack them against each other and the ones that would turn, that would land like turned over would be yours, something like that. So it was like, you could play for fun, but you also could play for... It's just the rules of Pogs, right? I was going to yeah, say, this, like this Pog, is yeah. Pogs, right? 
Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But they were yeah, branded differently. Hot, which is like Jax, but further commodified. Collectibles Jax. <laughs> Maybe. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia trying to figure out if it's with a Z or with an S. But I don't think... I don't know. It was weird. Because, you know, every it, chips are packed and, and made in, in different countries. So all of it came from directly from Portugal and in Portuguese as well. So it probably is like Pogs, yeah. Oh, yeah, but it was associated with Looney Tunes. That's right. So according to Wikipedia, Tazo started out with a set of 100 discs featuring the images of Looney Tunes characters and 124 Tiny Tunes Tazos in 1994. This goes to show how little I actually had. I had a collection of 13 that I treasured <laughs> very much. <laughs> and later on, they had different versions. But they oh, they're still going. In 2020, there's a Pac-Man <laughs> version of Tazos. Holy crap. The forever game. Yeah, I've never seen this. Never seen this before. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like cards, but lamer and cheaper. <laughs> and, smelling, and smelling more of fried, okay. fried food stuff. And smelling more of fried food. <laughs> I'm only yeah, hearing upsides. You got any more questions? Only hearing upsides. Mm. All right, this is a big one. Preed asks, uh, so Star Citizen is fast approaching 10 years of being a Kickstarter project. Right now it is an alpha state. To put it in context, Dark Souls for PC released in August 2012. A month later, Star Citizen hit its US $2 million target and it was given a green light. Today we have had Dark Souls 2, 3, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Elden Ring, and Star Citizen is still an alpha state. What do you think of this project? Do you think this Kickstarter has had an effect on Kickstarter system for games? What lesson do you think should be learned from this Kickstarter? Uh, can you see this game being finished? And how do you see this Kickstarter ending? Talk about Star uh, Citizen, basically. The lesson that we can learn from this is that players will eat up any bullshit that you throw at them. Yep. If you promise them the universe, they will buy it. And, uh, and they'll just keep doing that for the foreseeable future. It's, uh, it happened with... Uh, no Man's Skies. It happened with it happened uh, with NFTs. <laughs> it happened with NFTs. You just hype exactly. up this, oh, this no. future promise of why you should buy into this thing and why it's totally hype and gonna change your life or whatever, and you just keep hyping that up as long as you po as possible while never necessarily delivering. Just kind of always building up the future indefinitely, and then you profit off of that basically. Like that's a it's a whole model. I mean, mm -hmm. the worst thing that Cyberpunk and No Man's Sky ever did was come out. <laughs> if they what? just, what? if they could just keep fucking laying down those train cars, train tracks in front of them, and just keep the, just keep it going, and never actually release, like that's that's ideal. You, just keep collecting money Cyber and never launching. Do you think Cyberpunk's hype was similar to No Man's Sky's? Yeah, I, I never. I didn't follow it very It's just closely. what happens every year. Ever there's the there's the ridiculously hyped game that everyone freaks out over and then they get really like to the point where they become fanboys, they get really mad at you if you question whether or not it's going to be good even though it's not out and no one's played it, but they they decide to make it their personality and everything. It's just it's the cycle. Gamers just like this all the time and Marvel fanboys and so on like it's it's fucking exhausting. It's just a really bad there's a approach difference. to these things. There's a difference between the kind of hype that uh <clears throat> that uh, like starfield is gonna generate and like i think cyberpunk I mean, generated uh in the hype that 
a no ma- uh, like a, a no name team like uh oh I actually don't know the name of the studio I mean, but from No Man's Skies uh the hype that that particular game generated was more based around ooh look at all the possibilities the possible the no the concept yeah. of possibility when it comes to hype is that Star Crucial, Citizen and No Man's Sky and uh, and uh, Cyberpunk are all about the like the endless, crazy, I- incredibly expansive infinity game that's in your head that you think is going to uh... happen, and then it actually comes out, and you're like, "Well, you see, there's a bunch of uh, you land on a bunch of blobs that are slightly different in how blobby they are, and then you collect the same four resources, and then you you fly to another blob." You kind of do that for about uh, 200 hours, and then it ends, I guess. Supposedly, the story eventually has a structure and it ends or something. (laughs) But, like, the nebulous whatever-itude where everything is unexplored and unique, but in a way that's equally uninteresting and bland nature of, of No Man's Sky. And then, like, yeah, like, Cyberpunk was, like, an incredibly basic shooter RPG with almost nothing impressive going on in any element of what it had. But in the lead up to it coming out, it was going to like revolutionize video games and it was going to be an incredible step forward and accomplish all these things that have never happened before. Like it's, it's, it just happens all the time over and over again. Who was claiming that? That was the hype. That was the hype that it's going to be this incredible fucking RPG supposedly. And it's like, in what way? I like, I, when I say that the game, gamers will eat anything, I, I don't mean this as an attack on any gamer that might be listening right now, including you two, by the way. I do. Fuck uh, you, that, specifically that guy, Steve. <laughs> no, Steve, actually, I, I wouldn't. Steve aside, I, uh, Steve aside, I think this is not an attack. I'm not saying things or I'm not saying this is an attack on anybody. Uh, and I can share my own when I fell for, the, for a hype of, for a game like this. It was a game that came out, I think, in 2009 uh, called Spore. And that game was yep. atrocious. That game was the yep. worst. <laughs> this is the, got, that's <laughs> the archetypical example of this exact loop. Exactly. But th- I think, I, like, I'm sure people fall... I, I, like, f- the first time you fall for, for, for tricks, it's never your fault. And even the second time, it isn't really. But you just need to like f- try they to learn some learn. lessons every once in a while. No, I think people learn. It's just that there's always an influx of new players. So, you know, it's it it it's just gonna come with different mindsets and different sort of backgrounds because they d- didn't get scammed by electronic arts like I, like I did for uh, <laughs> sport. <laughs> or they got um, Robin or... Williams to promote that game. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Didn't get Robin Williams in my ads, but still. Uh, the, the point is that, like, the first time or the second time, it's all right to fall for this stuff. You just need to, like, really learn the right lessons on why it's so easy to fall for it. And I think the, the problem is the possibilities. Because if, if, if somebody is, is telling you, I have this game where you can do this and this, and so the possibilities are endless, you need to be very, very w- wary of that person that is advertising a game to you. Because when they're evoking possibilities, that's all for you to build them up in your head yeah, because th- it's that's it's how not, you end up being most... a kid that really wants to turn to a werewolf in the game and then you keep getting killed by werewolves over and over again and you're like when do you get infected with the werewolf thing the game informer said that this would happen and then you get really mm-hmm. mad at peter molyneux you should get really mad at peter molyneux including for the werewolf thing yeah but also he said that you could become a balverine and he said that you could uh if you didn't like camp correctly or whatever at at night with like the day night cycle and the weather and stuff that you could get like you get sick this is all for fable one 
a game that does like nothing. <laughs> it is the yeah. blandest whatever or like like shallow RPG with like no interesting systems. <laughs> and, and he had all these fucking promises. Fable one is is um I never played it, mind you. Check but I did follow Chaser, shit. I did follow the development. And I was what I observed was they are actively marketing this game for being simpler and shallower than the competition. Because <laughs> it was his the design. His it entire was career like was was hinged on people continually not learning from the, from being tricked like yeah. this over and over again to the point where the mm -hmm. fucking. Like, I remember hearing this was God. This was all the way back in college at this point. So it's like a decade ago, I guess. But like, he made that like curiosity game, I think, or the one with the one with the cube. You just poke at the cube and like chunks of it disappear and everyone's yeah. poking at the same cube and whoever gets to the middle is going to get a big prize. And like they like totally fucked the guy that actually did win. <laughs> like he got basically nothing because like like the, among mm -hmm. like 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 the uh, part of it was supposed to be like getting to hang out with the developers, but they like just kind of shunned him and everything was just oh. really awkward the whole time he was like on the trip or whatever. And then the big prize was to become God in the game that they never finished. <laughs> so it never, like the whole thing was a, essentially a promo for a game they never actually ended up making. So like, the, like there was a, I remember it was Laura K. Buzz or I think I might have learned to listen to it on Giant Bomb or something. I forget. But like there was this, this look mm -hmm. at like, like just like, like two years later, whatever did happen to the guy that won curiosity and so on. And it's just like depressing and bland. And she's like, what a stupid fucking waste of time for everyone. Just another, another empty hype cycle from the same guy that just did it over and over and over. And like, <laughs> even if people did eventually get bad, mad at Peter Molyneux and get sick of his shit, they didn't learn the lesson because we keep doing it because all of this yeah. predates star citizen and, and no man's mind, sky. Like, it's it's not just the the studios and their marketing departments that are that do it. It's YouTubers as well. Like I often see people covering like new footage for new games or upcoming stuff, and they, they themselves like don't see the distinction between what could be that they are making and what they're actually showing you. So like any reaction channel that focuses on, or or even it oh, doesn't yeah. even have to focus. Any but channel if you see where someone's supposed reacting, to like mug at stuff, they just always are going to have extreme reactions that are all the way negative or all the way positive because extreme reactions to things are what get people engaged. Mm -hmm. So you just manufacture a response, and it's not really amounts to anything. At the same time, like you watch a channel like your Overwatch or something like that, and it's like, like I I I, I can't believe any opinions they ever have because like like when that when like like they're like while you're in the the weeds of Overwatch one, like there's the up and downs of like this patch is good, this patch is bad, and here's what they should change and blah 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 blah. But like when Overwatch two is coming out, you know they're going to talk about how it revolutionizes the game and it's absolutely a perfect the the chain the shot in the arm that the game needed and blah 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 because like their livelihood depends on the sequel doing well because their YouTube channel is like a fucking mm -hmm. like mollet not mollusk. A, 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 it's barnacle a, a barnacle on the side of that game of that game like they need it to survive and not even like necessarily like talking shit like I, like I like i get it like it's just that's capitalism and that's like living and having to make a living and everything but like you can't trust the opinion of anybody whose like career is built on uh being attached to a particular individual game or whatever which is a lot, what a lot of youtubers do like asthma gold and so on and so forth because they're either going to be like they're 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 going to be like 
somewhat exhaustingly positive because they have a financial incentive to profit off of the game doing well or in some other cases they part they become part of the popular countercurrent that's all about talking shit about the thing forever which is a, a thing mm-hmm. that happens a lot with gamers too but like in both cases honesty is not the thing that's incentivized by that system <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's and especially not nuance or not having wildly extreme opinions and re- and emotional reactions to everything like it's always like you've got to go to 11 because you've got to be like the loudest person so you can keep making a living by being the person who has an opinion about that specific game all the time but like th- this also trains the people watching though to think about games and upcoming games like that it's not like it's it's like the biases of a youtuber infect the people the, infect the watchers because then people are just going to think, oh, this is how this YouTuber that I respect and, and, and agree with, that's how they approach new stuff. So when I see new stuff for myself, I'm going to sort of, you know, you learn with them. And uh, like, I've seen this happen. Actually, I, I, I know of one particular channel where they sort of realize, I think they realized that and they, because they were focused too much on Blizzard stuff, Diablo stuff specifically. And then just over the years, Blizzard also hangs everybody out to dry, so... No, it's no surprise there. But over the years, it's just sort of shifted to more general, um, to more general style news, but also with the same approach that they had to their Blizzard favorites. Uh, and so this is like all of the news come across as this sort of like hopeful tune in next time to find out more. It's gonna all be be amazing, and it's it's like about just general gaming news. And I, th- I like I see people treat that as well about whatever. Like I, that's the normal fan base. That's how people talk about games is oh this this is probably gonna be great and like i'm super sh- i'm super jaded about a lot of stuff uh but i can see i can see hope in things i can look at like i like right now like i i i, I haven't had a, a game from bethesda that i have truly genuinely enjoyed since uh morrowind, morrowind. yeah <laughs> but i can look at elder scroll 6 right now and we know nothing and i can say yeah elder scroll 6 could be amazing but I know nothing like the, the possibilities are endless, right? Because we know nothing. The moment they show something that that even hints at, it, at them not learning the right lessons, I immediately turn off because they I mean, they won't, the right they won't learn the right lessons they from won't. my perspective, because all the people that like Skyrim like it for reasons yeah. that I don't agree with about RPGs in general. Like, exactly. They fundamentally want a different game for me, which is in many ways not an RPG. They want like an open world sandbox where you can may have where you can have builds, but builds are not an RPG. It's, it's just it's, a it's a fundamentally different can, like priority. They can mix. Yeah, it's a very old. But it's, uh, and at uh, some point school. you're just like, hey, this company hasn't made a thing I like for 15 years. Maybe I shouldn't think any of the stuff they'll make is is good. Which is exactly how, like, that's, uh, like, that's my reaction to Square Enix constantly, where it's like, oh, a new, uh, a new Final Fantasy is coming out. It's like, oh, yeah, when's the last good Final Fantasy? When was that? Because it's, it's a really it's been 20 years. fucking long it's been time ago. Years. Yeah, it's been 20 years since Final Fantasy Morrowind came out in, in 6th of June 20, uh, 2002. Right yep. now it is... Final Fantasy X was the year 2000. <laughs> so it's, yeah, happy 20th anniversary, uh, Morrowind, for Xbox. Amari and my furry awakening. <laughs> <laughs> uh i but the, can't really i can't really say anything i you're I, like i've never I feel like it's Final always Fantasy. obvious well it's just it to me it's usually it's usually pretty obvious that uh like i don't think since i would say like maybe my early 20s i was an idiot but 
I don't know. I don't think games were nearly as like obvious, I guess. Maybe I just was, I was just probably more arrogant. But uh, I don't know. I think games are pretty obviously bad. Like you can tell when a game's lying on it through its teeth. Like it's just kind of like Cyberpunk was never going to be good, right? No one believed that. And if you did, like, how did you believe that? Who was? I mean, that's the hype wave. What was your proof? By default, most people believe that. I I know, but it's the but what I'm saying is like it it's. I had hopes for it being good because they had the track record of making good games. Yeah, I had hopes as well. Like I I started not only Witcher Three, obviously, but like I had so much fun with Thronebreaker. (laughs) I had a great (laughs) time with Thronebreaker. And then I'll need to play that. And then Cyberpunk comes out, and it's just That's like it's just miserable. It's just like this is, but it's this it is was just a slog. And the the best part of the entire game is the opening storyline, which you then just throw in the garbage to make a shitty open world game for fifty hours. And the like, game's mysteriously yeah. kind of better for the last half an hour. It's like it's almost like this shouldn't have been the fucking nonlinear open world game, apparently. Which is so weird because I think the highlight of The Witcher is how well detailed and and surprisingly written the the side quests are yeah i don't know they, they i, I don't did, know if it's they were just so looked. fundamentally uncurious about their cyberpunk setting so all of the quests were really fucking boring and then uh they the main story is a fucking ticking clock which doesn't really fit well with an open world fuck around game so it meant that they yeah. had to continually kneecap the main story and not have it feel like it had any weight to the point where they're like there's entire scenes that don't make sense in cyberpunk and you're like i don't understand what's happening here like when you get later in the story and suddenly they start really caring about these pills that you're like do we do i even know what these pills are like what's what you're you're like framing this as like a moral choice and i'm like i don't even know what's happening when you're like in some motel and you're like oh man is god is it time to take these pills and it's like i don't know why haven't you been reinforcing this throughout the last 30 hours if this is an important plot point because i don't even know what you're talking about Uh, I, my biggest problem with with cyberpunk and i only watched the you you guys's let's plays um you never ended up playing so cyberpunk let's plays. i never played no but my pro- my biggest problem is that it's uh it's limp and it's it's sort of uninterested in its setting yeah and there are some really good well written characters here and there uh and i i, I forget there are two shout characters out to one that of them is one like, shout out to the 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 joy toy I guess they were called mm-hmm. the, ro- the they were robot called. taxis. The the robot prostitute that where you talk about oh, your, prost- your your impending death, which is like the best scene of the entire game. Oh yeah, I recall that. I think they're I think they're called joy toys. Yeah, the one where, the one where a lot of people accidentally slept with a dude because his name was Angel, and <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny that just a lot of people had a, a panic moment when they uh, when they chose the wrong one from their perspective. Or was it the wrong one? Imagine being imagine being straight in cyberpunk. <laughs> I know, right? I don't. I don't remember what I. What chose. aggressively I not I, straight setting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, speak for yourself. I turned that thing very straight. All I did was go through and kill everything. That's the straightest. That is thing pretty possible. straight. The school shooter version of straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I we can't. I I recall. Wasn't there like a character, a major character called America or something like that? America. Uh, it, that's not know. her name. What was her name? Pan America? Pan Am? Oh, Pan Am. Pan Am, yeah. I thought she was so well written up until the very end. 
I like hate the, 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 I hate that the, name because it's just it sounds awkward every time to say. I think it's a car. Is it supposed Who's to be a car? Pan Am. I don't know. I always think of Pan the American. Yeah, like the like the uh, isn't it like an airline? But it's also oh, the name. Be, I think know. it's also the name of like the kingdom or whatever in Hunger Games. I think it's called Pan Am. Oh, I'm not. I was oh. ready for it to be a person's name. This is where somebody gets mad at me because it is yeah, a real name or something. Yeah, yeah. But just like compare compare Cyberpunk with the. Um, with Cloudpunk, for example, and the level of passion and the understanding and knowledge about and, and like in, intention behind Andy, the writing. talking dog. There's no dogs in and, Cyberpunk. F minus. Exactly. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't even. I can't even. Didn't, I can't even talk. I can't even complain that they didn't name their talking dog after a philosopher or whatever because they just didn't even have a talking dog or a dog. So like, why do you even make a video game? Wait, is uh was. Oh, I forgot his name. Kerb? Was the dog in Cloudpunk? Yeah, Camus. Is that a, a philosopher? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Huh. I don't know philosophers. Albert Camus is a, a Algerian-born French philosopher, author, dramatist, and journalist. There we go. I was pretty sure he was. was yeah. Good. Every single name of every single character in in uh, Cloudpunk is a reference, basically. <laughs> they're, they're really it's... consistent about it, to the point where whenever I was like, could that be... Hmm, like Harlan Ellison? It's like, yeah, of course it is. Of course they mean Harlan Ellison. <laughs> like any any, <laughs> any familiar sounding name, uh, Octavia Butler. There was not remember Octavia was one of the characters like that. Oh, always, yeah. absolutely. But mm -hmm. I'm I Albert Camus is in my brain because was it I watched a uh, I watched uh, uh, Toaster Griff's uh, video essays and and Camus was in there. I think the biggest. I, I, like I've played a lot of games written by non-writers uh, because that's how games are for the most part and have been for many, many years. Uh, and recently we have, uh, we start to see a little bit less of that in, uh, in RPGs, but not too many, but like there's one of them just stands to just, just stands out really. And it's uh, torment tides of Numenera because basically all of its writing team are professional non-video game writers. And that's easy to do for that game because the game is very lengthy in its its uh, dialogue. It's not really written like a traditional role playing game where you need to be good with like gameplay writing, which is difficult and 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 special. Like you look at Pillars of Eternity and like writing that sort of dialogue is difficult for a normal book writer because it's just you know you need to think differently and then like the metaphors and the pacing is all different. Um, but Tides of Numenera isn't quite like that. Uh, and it just stands out so much because you're just like, it, you know, it's the level of quality that you get from reading any normal random novel, uh, unless you're like really uh, reading like a really crappy novel. But like, it, 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 you don't need to be an amazing writer of novel. Well, I say that not not. There's there's gotta be how, however you judge writer quality. Yeah, but like even crappy writers are good, is what I'm saying. And like uh, in video games, that does. Yeah, like if you get a novel published, like most likely it's going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be readable and it's going to be nice. And it's going to, you know, if you're if you haven't read a book ever, it's going to be an amazing ride. Most like it's very likely that that happens in video games. That's not the case. Even the best written video games <laughs> historically. If you've never read. <laughs> what I'm saying is like video games, are <laughs> th they're difficult to write. And so there's so many shortcuts that you have to 
to go through. And especially when you have a, an editorial team or, or a publisher above you, and which I feel is what happens with specifically Cyberpunk, uh, is that I'm sure the writers were really good. I'm sure like the people who actively m made up all the quest lines and all the world and all that, I'm sure they like they're super smart and they know a lot more than 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 I do certainly. Then, but then many writers, I'm sure they're hiring practices, even though they can be like all bonkers every once in a while. I'm sure they they at least find people who are good at writing. But the problem is. The publisher, the people on top of the the production of of the game, they will filter all of their talent out because they they they're just they're just gonna want to filter the game through their lens. And I think Cyberpunk suffers from that more than any indie game ever could. Like an indie game, like um, um, sorry, Outer Wilds. I was gonna say Outer Worlds. Sorry, did I mix the names up again? Dang it. <laughs> Outer Wilds. The I mean, struggle. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, a game like Outer Wilds, the writing, it, you know, it's not detached, but it is al almost detached from the rest of the gameplay. It isn't because the world is built around the setting and the lore and all that. But, you know, in a, it, it feels a lot less filtered, I mean, uh, the writing of Outer Wilds than any AAA game ever could and does, I feel. And when I say filtered, I mean like distilled to a common... Uh, a common denominator thing, whatever the expression is called, and I think indie games just have that advantage. When I read people, be uh, I, I saw an interview recently about um, We Happy Few, and the the, the publisher be like, or not the the publisher, but the studio themselves be like, uh, we have this story, but we know our limitations in telling the story because we're a, a a team of thirty people, and and for us to flesh this story out, we need like triple A kind of uh, backing. And we can't do it. So we know our limitations. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Some of the best stories are done by small teams. Have you never played? Nothing made, nothing made me sadder but, than the whiplash of how good the trailers were for We Happy Few. And then finding out that it's some kind of fucking roguelike. Yeah. Like a structureless yeah, narrative light, sort of like stealth roguelike thing. I'm like, no, I was so ready for this game. Like I almost mentioned it earlier when I was talking about the retro futurist, like Bioshocky kind of games. Mm -hmm. What yeah. a cool setting. I thought it was. I mean, it wasn't. I never thought it was very original, though. We happy few because it it obviously is what it, it, it like. You get the twist immediately. <laughs> you know what we happy few is, and the game is. You know, it's centered. The gameplay is centered around you understanding the twist. Of, it's a uh, Fahrenheit yeah. 451. Yeah, yeah. So like, I I never really saw the appeal, but then again, I don't watch the trailers too much, and I knew from the the beginning that it was going to be a roguelike because part of their marketing was like, uh, you can play the game once and get a completely different ending than if you play the game twice. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, sure. <laughs> that's not appealing that's, to me. That's like I mean, most I like games that, but it's just now. That's all news, yeah. That's all news. But uh, like that, I, I think that's just my personal bias because I see, for example, um, what was that game with an Wendigo and they had a song with the, the Oh Death, Oh uh, Death. So yes, until dawn. Um, that game, like, on its face was like, oh, this game has all these branching possibilities, and I'm like, here. Colonel RPG me being like, yeah, sure, that's our RPGs, isn't it? Uh, but then I respect that in that game because it isn't. I mean, for every things. single combination of characters could die or live, which is pretty. That's pretty decent. 
It was pretty, yeah, apart there's from just actually being There's some shitty cheats well they use to make certain characters live for too long, but yeah. every single character can die or live, mm -hmm. and yeah. that is that is more outcomes than you often get in those kinds of games. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, despite if you boil it all down and really understand what they're doing, it's not that weird and complicated. Yeah. Uh, but it, I like even, how weird all the that company's games are. <laughs> like, we played... Like, uh, we played uh, Man of Madan together, mm -hmm. and we played the yeah. weirdest version of that game, which is the one where you play two different perspectives simultaneously, and the entire game happens in real time from two different perspectives, which is an insane yeah. thing to do with the Walking Dead formula. That's fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. Including all the walk-around, yeah. like, adventure game sections and stuff like that, where, where they can cheat a oh, little bit, because one, yeah. one of you can just be stuck wandering around while the other one is actually triggering whatever precedes the story or whatever. But, uh... Mm -hmm. I have since played that uh, Man of Madon as uh, couch co-op. <coughs> mm -hmm. We played it. <coughs> yeah, we played it with the with the household, and uh, everyone was sitting. We, we were uh, whoever was next would play on the computer, and then everyone else would sit watching the TV that synced up with the computer, and we were all sitting on the couch just enjoying the weird collaborative horror experience. First of all. It's way fucking longer when you're not playing it in simultaneous co-op because all the scenes yeah. play one by one. But the, I mm -hmm. saw a lot of scenes that we never saw. Like, uh, for example, the guy that fucking took off at the beginning of the story and was just out of the story immediately in our playthrough. Yeah. Uh, he he died to like one of the mascot monsters like one of the monsters that's like on like in the advertising for the game which we never encountered mm -hmm. uh, it is actually there yeah. to kill him and and he died on the ship that way and i'm like oh that's a completely different fucking path through this story uh also found out real quickly how quickly you can die in that game if you're not very good at qtes because stephanie is not good at qtes <laughs> <laughs> like uh not not, yeah, not gatekeeping the... or anything, but like, you know, Stephanie tends to play like Animal Crossing and Night in the Woods and Stanley Parable and so on. And so mm -hmm. if you throw a QTE at her in any video game, she looks at the controller to figure out what the button is. And the, mm -hmm. so when until dawn, she just like she would. I, I learned real fast how abruptly characters could die because she killed like half the cast <laughs> like yep, really quickly. And uh, one of the problems that one of the problems with those uh, kinds of games is just like, sure, there's wildly different outcomes, but are they? You also got to ask whether or not they're actually narratively satisfying endings, because yeah, like you could have a bunch of characters just die completely randomly and almost never get mentioned again, and you're like, what was the point of that, this? That's why writing RPGs is so difficult because you need to sacrifice that narrative um, yeah. satisfaction. You, you can never really like you can have the best solution for a quest. And be like, or not best, but like the most narratively satisfying solution to a quest. But a lot of players will just either see it as unsatisfying because they didn't want that to happen, or uh, because they had an attachment to a certain character or what they wanted. Like that's why RPGs are are different in that regard. You're not there to tell an interesting story. You're te you're there to let the player tell their story. And I th like the, just going back to Until Dawn and the way it markets in in game markets its own sort of branching storyline solutions. I think that's valuable because it teaches a lot of players that normally don't get to understand branching storylines in, in such a visceral way. It teaches them the value of, of the replayability of a game. And, and I wish more games had, like, had stuff like that or embrace that a little bit more. But also at the same time, it, it does require people to have, to have that sort of like self 
what's what would be the word? It's like a, a, a sadistic. Uh, I say sadistic, but it's it's like a sadistic aspect of you that if you're telling a story that is sort of bittersweet, those are usually the best stories. And doing that in an RPG is really difficult. You're not going to ever aim for the bittersweet ending, but those are the best endings. And, and, and those are usually the endings that people tell in stories. And so having an RPG Complex, like that is, is challenging difficult. things where you don't even know people will argue about what to even feel about the ending. Yeah. Yeah. At Astra. <laughs> mm. Speaking of games that know. feel unfiltered and written by one person because they are. <laughs> it's, you, it's, that's one of my favorite parts about indie games is that on a regular basis, you get to play a game that was written by a person instead of like a bizarre melange of teams that where you can't even like. Good luck even crediting who wrote your favorite quest in Fallout 3 or whatever. Like, <laughs> I know, who right? wrote it? <laughs> Do you know? Can you tell? I, I think I got... about this because when I was looking at the credits for, because uh, I, I, I wrote like the beginning of an essay about uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, and then it's just been sitting there. But like, I did the whole history and everything about the game, and one of the things I really got onto is specifically the fact that like, oh, of course, like Ra Salvatore did not actually work on the game. What he did is he wrote the backstory to an MMO that the game was then retrofitted to be in the same setting as. That's he, he wrote the backstory for a different video game, and that's quote unquote how much he worked on Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Like that's <laughs> he didn't write any of the quests, which is what people somehow convinced themselves they did, even though the quest writing is so obviously bad that you would hope that they would realize he didn't write them. But I know people. There's nothing that people are worse at judging than the writing of video games. Apparently, like gamers are just they they settle for anything. Uh, but yeah, like when I was going through the credits, I'm like, oh yeah. So, so the lead writer of Kingdoms of Amalur was a quest writer on Fallout 3. <laughs> mm. Like a scenario writer. One of them. He, that was the lead writer of all of Amalur. <laughs> like, oh. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> and then that's he doesn't really a have a lot of credits beyond that. So I'm like, that's a little distressing. <laughs> that explains a lot. So in, uh, in, so what, what, the Tides of Nomenera did, uh, Torment Tides of Nomenera, is they actually hired... Was that uh, game also written by the guy that everyone's... Uh, uh, Hatsune Miku? <laughs> uh, what? Hatsune Miku? What? No. The person that people no, credit everything Potter. to when the... Just, yeah, <laughs> whenever there's a distressing person that worked on something. There's, no, a certain uh, RP, there's a certain distressing RPG writer that oh, we don't yeah, like to think right. about. Oh, yeah, right. It was. Did he, yes, yeah. there's some... There's like, didn't he there's write one, both one Torment games? Uh, he wrote the original completely, I think. But the yeah. second one is just one character. Um, and um, you'll be happy to hear that it's not the best character. But it's it's also not terrible. Um, but, the, like, I, I had this one boss. that oh, It's a boss because it's an enemy. But there's this, like, very verbose kind of character that you have a very long discussion with. And he's just so well written. I had to ask uh, in Exile. And I asked him, who wrote this character? And they actually said. And then... Uh, I tied uh, and, and I, I looked up who that person was. They uh, they are uh, they have like novels and stuff, and they're a freelance writer. They write video games every once in a while. Um, and then I I found the same sort of uh, scenario with another character in Pills of Eternity Two that I also enjoyed a lot. And I asked Obsidian who wrote that, and they said it's another person. And, and I I looked them up, and and they, they were also a freelance writer. I don't think they they wrote. Um, I don't remember the names right now, but um, uh, 
basically what I'm what I get the impression is that at least in Exile and Obsidian, basically uh, outsource some side quests to to be like, hey, I want you to write this character over here, and so that's cool because you're dealing with different characters, and so they have different writing styles, which is totally fine. Uh, but also, it just allows them to tap into skills and and people who are uh, just really good at writing, even though they they may not be the most famous writing uh, writer out there. But they're just good because they have experience and they, they have experience writing books and stuff. And I, yeah, Titus Numenera has some, some really good mo- moments. And I, like, I don't see that quality of writing in uh, other In Exile games. Even though, I, I mean, it, I, I thought, I thought uh, Bard's Tale 4 wasn't a, bad, a, bad, a badly written game. But Wasteland 3 and, and 4, wait, 2 and f- 3, I should say. Uh, are not good examples of of uh, good writing. I should I, I, th- I should think, but torment is I think. But I mean, the problem with that game is that it is very long. It, the game is all about. It's like a visual novel, basically, except a little bit more interactive. But it's just like you reading dialogue for hours and hours and hours, and people are expecting dialogue to just be a side dish. It is not that. It really is not. The, the, I, I always I just want more writing in general usually like I like when I'm playing something like Amalur it's like what's all this combat getting in the way of the story but then you get to the story and you're like oh this wasn't worth it <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I still think Kings of, Kingdoms of Amalur has its dialogue written as if people don't want to read it like they know people are just going to skip it like so they it's just all, write it's all written like World of Warcraft quest dialogue but then they voiced it yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Number of games that just has dialogue not worth writing, not worth voicing that is voiced, and then the number of games that has dialogue worth voicing that isn't is just like it's a bad breakdown. Anyway, Star Citizen was the question. <laughs> mm. So yeah, Star Citizen, they're uh, promising the universe, and it's obviously going to be bad. Yeah. I don't know anything about the landscape of of Kickstarter video games, so I can't tell you what it was like before or after Star Citizen. I don't remember. I remember Double Fine doing a bunch of Kickstarters and uh, kind of embarrassing themselves by fucking up over and over again. Speaking of people that overpromised and got more money than they asked for, but then still couldn't deliver most of the time. a lot of the some of the games we were just talking about or at least the games other games about those companies exist because of kickstarter actually a lot of crpgs exist these days like the Mm -hmm. the the modern resurgence of crpgs was basically funded entirely on kickstarter because it was Mm -hmm. uh it was the Shadowrun games pillars of eternity i think wasteland like wasteland two and three both yeah like really consistently yeah and taizo numenera and battletech uh from yeah, the this, this, yeah, the, yeah, this, the, yeah, that company just kept going back. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, makes sense. Was Baldur's Gate 3 also Kickstarter? Uh, also, yes. Yeah, like it's really consistent for CRPGs type games. Although I get the feeling that... Actually, I haven't looked at it actually. Is, is, Baldur's, Gate, is Baldur's Gate 3 a CRPG? Yeah, it's like... I mean, if it is anything in the spirit of the original one, then yeah, it's is like... Is it like a, a top-down camera CRPG-style thing, but then also you have Bioware-style cutscenes? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Uh, it's Finally! Divinity. It's Divinity <laughs> Original Sin 2, but uh, with uh, closer to the characters. Cutscenes. Dude, I I need that 
<laughs> yes. I benefit I benefit so much whenever the camera actually looks at the characters or maybe you get really good portraits of every single character like in Disco Elysium or something but like mm -hmm. I just I need faces more. I it's really hard for me oh, to Disco play something Elysium like Disco Elysium was also getting started. Yeah. But like it's it's so hard to play something like Wasteland. Like Wasteland 2, I think, where it's just like a bunch yeah. of vague brown blobs just all talk at each other via a text feed. And you're like, I don't remember who you are. <laughs> you don't have a face or a, you don't have a face or a voice. And it's really hard to remember 50 names. And so it's just it's it's so helpful to have uh, like faces. And, and if you can, like little cutscenes, like Bioware style, like back and back and forth shot, reverse shot like it's. It's just so much better for me being able to follow the story and the characters and caring about them enough to remember the continuity of the interactions with them so that I can then be like, oh, that's why this matters. Like, I remember a random Turian from the bar flux at the beginning of Mass Effect 1 better than I remember most NPCs in, in Wasteland 3. <laughs> like the retired <laughs> general guy. That's Because you can see him and he's got a weird voice and he's got weird markings. And you get curious about his markings and how his mandibles are moving and shit. And you're just looking at him during the cutscene and... You're having his little chat. And you're like, why do they have weird sock hats? <laughs> it, there's all sorts of curiosities there as opposed to just like, I don't know, there's a weird smear on my screen. I think it's talking to me. I, um, yeah, the building of the building of memories of certain characters is just unparalleled if you see them rather than yeah. just listening to them. I, like, I, I, there's it, a that's, benefit that's to smaller a, casts in many cases. I, I attribute the success of Fallout 1 and 2 uh, as well to the talking heads and you being able to see the, the people, the, the, the important characters. Yeah. Because, you know, that was groundbreaking back then. Yeah, yeah you'd actually see the characters up close and all that. And they, had, and they also had portraits and they didn't necessarily always look like the same person. <laughs> uh, no, they, Fallout 1 and 2 yeah. don't have portraits. They're just oh, heavy. They're talking or it's the top down. Yeah. I blanked and thought you said pathologic one for some reason. <laughs> Oh, pathologic. But yeah, oh, yeah, they pathologic. Had the yeah, the, yeah, the talking heads in Fallout One. Those are those are so yeah. good. Whenever they come up, that you wish they were around so much more. Yeah, you did miss some of them, but not too many. Fallout One doesn't well, have the, that many. The Fallout One's opaque as fuck. The second so one is hard, even worse. It's so hard to tell where you're going or what's happening, and even who you click on. And there's like, here's a room with fifty of the same guy. One of them's an important NPC. The other ones don't want to talk to you. I promise. <laughs> and you just, can't tell which just, one's which. It's and uh, also one of them's like, your follower that also looks like them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you don't have a certain perk when you're going to combat, you can't tell it apart with a, with a highlight. Uh, they all are red. <laughs> oh my god. That's actually something that they changed in Fallout 2. All you fuckers that say perk. you didn't look anything up are lying. No, no, no. It, it, they, people didn't look anything up. They just were mistaken for a very, very long time after playing <laughs> the game multiple times. Like, I didn't know you could highlight a... Uh, well, maybe I'm wrong. I'm still wrong about this. But if you press shift, you highlight items that are on the floor. And I didn't know this until 2016. <laughs> so. <laughs> the yeah. shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I expect I expect Star Citizen to either be vaporware or disappointing. But I played the early access already. I don't know what it was, but there was an early access version of Star Citizen where you shot a few things and were bored in space for a little. I That's my experience. Yeah. Also, when I when I talk about <laughs> when I talk about fucking fanboys of these things, like I've encountered this, like 
Someone got really mad at me for suggesting that Star Citizen won't pan out or will be disappointing or bad or not come out or whatever. Like, they got really mad at me about this like six years ago or something. I think and it's and it's still <laughs> just this forever like work in progress thing. Like people get so attached to these things. It's just so unnecessary. Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand that so well. I think some of it might be just posturing and being like, "You're he an made enemy a weird like incel nerd vi argument type thing where he was like talking about how like giving up this weird this weird thing about how like life's hard for people like us or whatever or and we just need a win or something like it was just a bizarre beleaguered like Wait. I'm 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 fucking. I'm putting everything on this fucking game for some reason. And it's like, why? Why Star Citizen? Learn what indie games are. I fucking dare you. <laughs> you can. Yeah, they'll do everything you want them to. And there's infinite like there's there's so many opportunities for good for good gaming experiences. And you're hinging it all on this one random fucking over promising nightmare. Stop. It's yeah, I don't get it either. But specifically, I don't get yeah, it with I, Star Citizen. If you're like, uh, I don't know, if you're if you're like mad at the Codemasters that they're now Electronic Arts, and I get that because you know they're AAA, they're uh, they're the only ones that have like the F1 franchise and whatever, and they're the, the niche kind of game, right? And like every every other every other uh, studio making things that are going to have drawbacks, and uh, but like even then, it's just. Yeah, the indie scene is just a lot better always. Like, I don't know. It's an MMO. <laughs> what? How can you be starved for for uh, content? There's just so much of it. Go play Planetside 2 or something. Or the other one that's Star Wars. People. Yeah. Understand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Was this? I don't really. I have like, I, yeah, it is breed, but I, I don't, mm -hmm. it's, look, if you're still committed to a game that, uh, you're still committed to paying for a Kickstarter for a game three years after it's been promised to come out, fine. Ten, ten years. Like, that's, well, now it is, but I'm saying, at, <laughs> once you reach a three-year mark and the game doesn't come out and you're like, nah, I'm just going to still be in it. <laughs> All right, fine. I don't care. At some have point, fun. At have some fun point you start the... transforming into like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah and like i at the end of the day i really don't care about star citizen you're a star uh, citizen like, truther <laughs> i guess i like i remember a coworker telling me like trying to convince me that it was gonna like revolutionize gaming and i was like uh. look if it's gonna revolutionize gaming then i don't need to kickstarter it you already have an idea that should make money right it's revolutionary what the fuck do i need to be here for it so if it wasn't that revolutionary then I guess it wasn't it wasn't revolutionary enough for like literally every game company that's struggling hard to come up with the next big thing that's going to make them trillions of dollars just didn't want it said now nah, I wasn't good enough or hear me out or is it possible that this is all a scam well probably I'll give you a one. scam uh <laughs> definitely a scam but that's okay because it's it's flagrantly obvious enough that if you fall for it uh really it's just kickstarter's fault for or like patreon's fault for letting it continue um, i'll give them one whatever thing, i think actually their system right they have their own pay system now um Maybe. i want to say like 
StarCitizen.com isn't theirs. That's really funny. Oh yeah, that, I mean, they did. Um, they did. They did move from Kickstarter early on, like after the original, because because there's you know campaigns only are for so long, and this has been a fucking forever project. Yeah, they just started like get, getting infinite money via their website. Like you can keep donating forever. Up and, yeah, up yeah. Like now? I'm I'm on their website right now, and I can pay forty dollars for a uh for a, a little ship to drive in like a little little car pay forty dollars for a car it is kind of like a like a proto patreon sort of thing i'll give them some one thing though for a game that claims or at least people claim that it's going to revolutionize gaming whatever that means um they there's no men on their wikipedia page anyway there's no mention of nfts so that's good <laughs> What do they need NFTs for? You know, it's the, it's the to next make more new money revolutionary. They're they're yeah. already selling you NFTs. If you pay two hundred dollars for a fucking standalone ship in a game, that is yeah exactly you've done it. Yeah. You've already you've bought it. an uh, NFT. It just has no resale value. You're just an idiot. I was gonna say like, the game does have non fungible like ship purchases, yeah, doesn't it? Like it's they don't they're they're scummier than NFTs. At least NFTs have the like lie that you can sell it to somebody you can't even sell this shitty scorpion you bought for 220 dollars on the goddamn pledge store you can't sell it it's stuck How with you, you for that? life why you because money? somebody is sitting there going like man you know what this is just the peak this will never gaming will never achieve a better simulation of flying through space and goddamn it i won't then live this long hypothetical enough to see it game that I, might exist one day <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't know. Well, you can click the play now button, Keith. What the fuck are you being so indignant yeah, the, about? The, you want which which one do you want to buy? You want to buy the forty-five-dollar version or the seventy-dollar version of the game? All right. I would and like to play a good game, video game, but you're somehow gonna play the seventy-five version. It's only seventy dollars, and hey, it comes with six months of uh, ship insurance, so that's good. You might what? need that in case your ship blows up. <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> don't like the suggestion oh, of losing you? my There's purchase. There's actually insurance. Yeah, there's insurance in the game for the ships because you can lose your ships. That sounds like racketeering, honestly. I, is that is that illegal? <laughs> Be a shame if something happened to it. Yeah, they have a system made by them where you lose your your thing that you paid for, and you can pay to not lose it. What that sounds like racketeering to me. I don't know. Why are video games? To make money. No. Never, the... never forget. Some of them are to be good, but many are to make money. It's uh, a... Anything... What's it called? Uh, so the, it, the, sorry, the, I am joking. It's not, you don't lose your shit forever. The problem is you have to pay a lot of money to get it back. Uh, so you don't always have access to it um, if you can't afford to rebuild the ship that you destroyed. So... The idea is that you could pay $200 for a ship, you blow it up, and now you may have to spend like several months trying to farm enough money to rebuild that ship you paid $200 for. Um, this is a dystopia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I, so, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's better in the sense that it's not, you literally, someone isn't literally stealing your money. No, it's just it like, why? Dystopian, play any, it, just yeah. play something else. That sounds like the, what a fucking yes. nightmare. Why would you want this? 
it's a lot there's a lot uh there's a lot here i mean granted now you know you can get lifetime insurance if you're a big spender um so it's it's literally and, pay to win yes it's always been pay to win it's never not been i mean it's a it yeah it's star citizen is literally space capitalism that's all it is it's just it you just have to have money or not have a good time with star citizen that's been the whole point i'm just not sure how uh, anyone ever pretended it was an escapism thing if it's it's a if it's a fucking space capitalism world where the capitalism is because, hooked into our capitalism so it's our it's still affected it's, by our money it's escaping the reality that when you get off work you just go back home to your shitty middle class home with your shitty middle class family living what you think is a middle class life in a building that has a lot of repairs needed on it because you don't have any money because you're not getting paid adequate for your labor uh but you get to play a silly space game when you get home you get to be a little astronaut in your spaceship that you paid yep. a lot of money for instead of replacing the fucking roof tiles that went out like two two seasons ago like it's it's alarming I, I i get that you know again it's probably a whale thing just like genshin impact or just like mobile Star games Citizen having know, mobile famously games invented space <laughs> they invented uh space scams there you go space they were the first scams? to invent scam space scams that pause that Isn't was that long like enough to make you wonder if everything broke <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I i don't even i don't really even understand like, i've seen videos of star citizen um it's not I, I i understand the idea of like wow for example people play wow for a millennia and they do it because there's uh there is like a drive a a, a game motivation to to do what's happening in the game uh, you know, to go on all those quests, to get all that loot, to grind your character or whatever. But Star Citizen doesn't have that. It doesn't... It, it, there's nothing about Star Citizen that would propel me to continue going after a small window of starting. Like, you, you would just fall off, so to speak. And I think that's alarming, given that it has, like, a... $40 or $45 entry fee. Like, I wouldn't want to... Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to... I, I don't know. I wouldn't spend $40 on an alpha. Just go I get a space that. CRPG or go get a space simulator or go play EVE or get play a six yeah, degrees want, of like, freedom, freedom flight game. There's, like, dozens of them. They're beautiful. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like any of them. I don't like those kinds of games, but they're there. <laughs> I don't like flying a ship. There's yeah, you don't like flying a ship. No, not unless it's like Artemis. That's fun. That's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, the the, the bridge simulator. Yeah, Artemis br the the spaceship bridge simulator. That's like it's like it's like you're on the Star Trek deck, and so you're like you're like six oh, people right. flying one ship. That's yeah, but that's, that's more like neat. a puzzle game. Uh, yeah. not so much a puzzle game. It's just one person has to try to coordinate all these people and they all have to do their individual jobs and respond to threats mm -hmm. and so on and like and modulate the shields and uh bring us around and fire torpedo you know, all that all that shit it's actually really mm -hmm. it's really amusing because yeah like the way we had it set up in marty's place because he went all in on it we had we have videos of these still they're they're, they're kind of neat they're they're iffy and they're like 
like questionably quality. put together because it's kind of hard to it's, it was really hard to film yeah. to begin with but uh what is it uh like the captain would just sit in a chair and look at marty's tv and just have to shout things at everybody <laughs> and everybody else was on a bunch <laughs> of laptops and, the, and computers in the room and they were all actually playing the game <laughs> and it was like a, the authentic like this person genuinely can't directly control the game situation it's pretty cool yeah Mm-hmm. We were like the top videos on that game at one point. We were featured on uh, the Penny Arcade report when that one yes. noteworthy yeah. uh, gaming journalist wrote an article about it. But I can't even look at any of this anymore because oh, that entire website just is gone. Oh yeah, that was like my that was like that was our claim to fame for a while there compared to anything else we've done. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it went off pretty well. It's it was fun. It was it was a fun little game. It is, yeah, obviously that that's like the pinnacle of it. It's really hard to achieve that. It would it'd be really hard to achieve that again, right? Oh I'd shit. Like Speaking of indie games, Salt and Sacrifice came out a month ago and I didn't even notice till just now. Wait, that's not the same game that came out a while back? Salt and Sanctuary is the first game. They, oh no, they didn't name it properly. They made a sequel called Salt and Sacrifice, which like I knew about I knew I knew it was coming. Because I think in the, my Elden Ring reaction video or whatever, I did it. I then watched the trailer for Salt and Sacrifice. I didn't even realize it was out until just now. It's been out for a month. <laughs> mm, Whoops. Oops. I didn't realize it was a different game. <laughs> yep. They done made another one. I wonder if it's got co-op or something. Like online co-op maybe this time. Maybe I can backdoor that into being my next co-op series with Bird or it's something a, instead of trying to find good... time in the schedule. It's not a very good name, though, is it? It's like Outer Wilds naming their sequel The Outer Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> did you know, like, yeah, did you know the same person wrote... One person wrote for both games? Mm-hmm. Ashley Beecham. Beecham. Yeah, she's the one that wrote that tweet where she was like... Uh, what is it? Like, uh, I, got a, I got a useful mnemonic. It's like Outer Wilds is the game that I wrote for. Because <laughs> of the I. Yeah. But then she, I think she worked... Was it that way around? I think she worked on Outer Worlds and then the Outer Wilds no, and then not. the Outer Worlds DLC. Or did she work yeah, for the Outer Worlds first, game then the, the Outer Wilds DLC? She, she worked on the DLC for the other one afterwards, whatever one she, was yes, the other one. Only the <laughs> only the uh, the DLC for Outer Worlds, yes. Yeah. She's she's she does the llama uh, mission. There's like yeah. a llama in a mountain. I think she wrote other mm. things as well. Also, those DLCs were bad. They I like the second one. Uh, how like many the of the, how many DLCs were there? Only two. There's only two. Yeah, the second one is the one with the movie star. Oh yeah. You know, I, I had issues with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I had I issues definitely, with it as well. It has it has world <laughs> problems because like there's a creeping yes. the narrative is trying is almost like implying that there's like a creeping slow build problem happening, but the game is like the fucking problem's exploding at you and you have to shoot it in the face, like 30 seconds into the DLC and then everyone just mm -hmm. acts like it's not happening like no one mm -hmm. notices and you're like wait what, what? Mm -hmm. like it, it, it does and not they had they completely like like there was there was zero pathologic DLC go, uh, D, uh, DNA going on there like they had no idea how to merge their world with the narrative of that experience of that expansion mm -hmm. and the first DLC also had kind of similar problems where it was 
it was really a detective sort of game where you were I mean, supposed to just the first DLC breaks the narrative of the main game and its, and its setting in a horrifying way mm -hmm. and makes you feel mm -hmm. bad about everyone you've ever shot, but doesn't let you do anything about it or even comment on it. Mm -hmm. It's like they my didn't realize problem, though, what is... they were doing. My biggest about... problem is that... Wait, which one? Yeah, Outer Worlds. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, the DLCs are one takes place in a moon where there's like this rich person being like, oh no, this moon yeah. is not productive anymore. And the second one is uh, in a hotel resort thing where they're like, oh no, this person was killed. Yeah. Um, but the one in the moon, basically, oh. it's a game of you reading a lot of computer things and trying to piece things together. And like you spend hours and hours reading all those things. And I think that's where the meat of the DLC is. But the problem is it's also an open world full of enemies to shoot. And it really breaks the pacing, I feel. Yeah. I mean, all of Outer Worlds had a problem of just having too much random combat, just wasting mm -hmm. your time. In a game yes, that yeah, mostly really would have comment. benefited from basically not having combat narratively. Mm -hmm. Yes. It would have been a lot, probably a lot better of an experience. Um, with Apart from when you... I, I just I can just never get like it's well, just another script I never finished but like I can just never quite get over the fact that you spend basically the entire game helping the corpse even if you're against them because basically everyone you shoot is their enemy Keith we live in a society we live in a society that's the ultimate Go message and I thought on. I thought I honestly thought it was the ultimate message of the game is the sort of how Difficult it is to tell, but like the characters, uh, I remember having like a, a a real clear understanding of that when I finished it. Uh, so now I'm kind of fumbling, but like every different person has a different idea of how to solve the problems in the in that world, and none of them have a really good grasp of why they're fucked up in the first place because the game doesn't want to make that that sort of political statement outright, and I, and in. For, on, from one, from one side of the argument, it, it's bad that the game doesn't make the statement outright, but it, but it does base the world around, you know, ultra-capitalism in space. Uh, but nobody ever criticizes ultra-capitalism in the game. But on the other hand, it also paints a world where it's, it's, it's like, it's hopeless in, in a way that, like, Parvati sees the good in people and tries to, tries to come up with these better solutions for for the the people who are closer to the to the ground as it were uh and and the people who she directly works for and respect are completely detached from that and they just sort of and, she, and like early in the game she says he's good people about the the person who's like the most responsible for all the shit the first settlement is in uh the boss of that cannery thing uh and I, like i think that for me that painted the whole game in that light of like these people have di vastly different understandings of reality but none of them are correct <laughs> because none of them have a, the systemic understanding of why they're in this shit in the first place um and uh and the game paints that i think it's the it's the whole yeah you you spend the whole game helping the corpse anyway and that's how that's the the fate the characters are in as well like it's not the best story to tell but for a, a political triple a game uh, was it's a story that they can tell? Because I still think it's not a political story. It's a it's a social it's, story. It's a confusing narrative of like obsessive criticism, but without ever talking about going any even slightly deeper than that. 
Mm-hmm. Like just being vaguely, it sure sucks to work at Best Buy, doesn't it? The game, <laughs> and like no context of why best, how Best Buy exists, and why it, it sucks to work there, and why like the context of that. Yeah, but at the same time, like you can't make a game like Outer Worlds without um, understanding why it sucks to work at Best Buy. Like it's not like it; it's not cyberpunk, basically. Because cyberpunk is made by people who don't understand cyberpunk. Yeah, no. Uh, Outer Worlds is written by people who know what they're not writing in it. Yeah. But they're still not Which, writing that stuff in it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I would have liked them to write those things in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've played the second expansion. I think I've only played the first one. You're not missing much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are people living, and that means I <laughs> missed out on making sure people remember their place in this galaxy that is mine now. So I, I liked the twist is... at the end and how they pulled it off. But it isn't like... Three new weapons. Oh, okay. Wow, can't wait <laughs> to use the same oh, weapon Whatever that using. means in that kind of game. Yep, great. The I, I don't think so I'll need for a new I think, weapon. I think my weapons worked just fine in my conquest. I eventually was just like, fuck uh, it, and just gave my entire team Gatling guns, no matter what their build was or what their skill... Granted, that game just <laughs> forgot to have builds in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially for yeah, your companions. They, they just get a bunch of mostly unimpactful skills you can buy just to feel like you're progressing. It is mm-hmm. the most rpg light mechanics I've seen. It's strange. They really screwed up the character system and the itemization system and the builds. Or your character like and the I, entire I, difficulty scaling also that they shouldn't have but then they like, made the combat you, most of the game great <laughs> you said it right that game shouldn't have combat and it is true it shouldn't the perfect fall three example of remove all the combat the game gets better But also you pay more attention. And that's but in Fallout 3, you pay more attention to the writing if you remove all the content and it it highlights how the writing is bonkers. <laughs> but in Outer Worlds, it would be better. Like I really, I, I I really have some characters. It's not even about agreeing with them or not. I thought Nyoka was a really well written character. The way she's introduced was really well written. Not so much the ending of her quest. Uh and that uh that guy that uh is in the planet with all the farts. I forget his name. The the, the one that's more corporate. The farts, you know, the farts planet. Uh, the the, uh, he's the <laughs> You don't remember the farts planet? The one with all the combat. It smelled the farts. Oh yeah, the one part with all the combat that stands yeah. out so well from all the other parts with all the combat. Oh no, you do You know the planet though, right? You know what I'm talking about. I don't no. remember. I, no, <laughs> that game is like there's one. It goes through you. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember the name a, of the planet. The game flushed out immediately. But there was one planet where there's three factions competing for power, basically. One of them is the more corporate uh, sort of friendly. Yes, yes, The other yes. one has a bakery, uh, has a thing with pigs and porks, pork and onions or whatever. Uh, and pork the other and one... beans. Excuse my pork manners. And, beans, if I... and the other <laughs> one, they're like these... Um, uh, anarchists or something. They they have a specific name that I forget the name of, and I say anarchists, the but they're not anarchists. No, they were called something else. 
<laughs> and and it's a planet where you just fight so many enemies and it's always the same because it's all those zerg looking enemies yeah no, it's uh, the shitty silver uh, planet that's a huge waste of time that's the one yes it's just and almost, the, it's just a massive wasteland of fucking nothing be- between three quest hubs and they make you keep running around or teleporting mm-hmm. and you can land in two different the locations leader, and so you're like oh i'll explore this path and this path and you're like this wasn't worth it i didn't complete that that planet you must have gotten through the main quest because it goes through there. You find this uh, radio dude in there is like, ah, I'm all crazy. And then that's the main quest. And, and then a ship fall. <laughs> and the ship falls yeah, from the, the sky. So the main, the main quest gives you the option to not pick a side. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. You, but then you a, I thought a ship always falls. A ship always falls, falls yeah. but I meant that you, you could just walk away from giving anyone access to the mm-hmm. uh to the to the weapon you can just mm-hmm. walk away from that and so i, I did because they wouldn't let me there wasn't an option to wipe out both of them so i said like well mm-hmm. then i guess if i just leave them alone in theory they'll kill themselves right so i can just do that and so it was like yeah that was the end credit was like and then these two people just <laughs> killed each other and i was like Success. okay perfect that's what i wanted so <laughs> fine. but see that's, yeah, that's no, a I, rewarding so I, experience I never, I never technically beat it because I didn't get to see what the conclusion if you pick one side or the other does. Oh, it's it ends. It's like a it's, it's like underwhelming. a thing. It's underwhelming. Yeah. I think there was also I think there was also a quest that got bugged that I never got to see the ending of. It was like I had a there oh, it was like I had to give drugs to this girl who was gonna help me uh find something and but the game wouldn't let me cancel the quest. It wouldn't let me just like throw the quest away. It was like, no, no, you have to do this. And so I was like, okay, but you only have to do this if you don't know where the location is. So if I just go out and find it myself, then this character's irrelevant, right? And so you can do that. It's not like a, the, the, the quest line is just this character brings you to the location and that's oh, it. Oh, I think I know um, the quest, yeah. And so like, I just basically went, no, I'm not going to give you drugs and I'm not going to, I'm not gonna like because if you say no she's like I'm not gonna help you then it's like okay but it doesn't end the quest it just says like go get the drugs idiot that's how you go forward and it's like no no I won't do that so I just walked <laughs> off and it let me do that uh, but it kept this stupid fucking quest on my screen the whole time like hey you really should go back to that second planet and talk to that girl I'm like what I'm like on the end game like can we not can we like <laughs> forget about that person are they even still here I think like I, I, I think I tried like killing them to get the quest to go away, and it still didn't do anything. And I was like, "What yeah. the fuck?" Like all RPGs should allow you to remove quests. That's just the yeah how it should work. Just no, I don't that want. That would this. be hard, given that there's some. It wouldn't. It's like, just I a flag. I'm like, it's just adding a flag in the code and be like, "This quest is being removed," and check. But I'm check sure, every like, time. I, I imagine that there are specific, uh, especially with a narrative-based game. There's Even there if, has to be flags that are relevant to story wise, or else you would have no idea what's happening. You just well, but show you can, up suddenly, and the game's like, man, I can't believe you wiped out those colonists. And you're like, what the fuck is this person talking about? <laughs> like, what I'm colony? Saying, I didn't. I'm saying in the in the journal, like you have a list of your quests, and there's that one quest that's broken. Like I grew up playing RPGs where this was just commonplace. You you finish the game with dozens of quests that are just I finished this, but it's still there, or this one is unbeatable, or oh, this yeah, one no. I, I don't want to do it. As somebody who has consistently played RPGs on my channel forever, like 
you always just have like the five That's fuck just... off quests that you just like yeah they're just there kind of and you just I, learn to ignore like them that. continuously yeah, yeah. i don't That's like that That's... divinity original sin and the uh, first and the second both of them allow you to hide quests which is incredible and i love it and honestly every yeah, game hiding would have been fine i would have been completely fine if i could just like get rid of it from my face yeah like i just hated the fact that it was constantly there like it was I, it just felt annoying to like open the journal it's like you have one uncompleted quest i'm like yeah mm. i know i know i, I have one i know i see it every day i see it every time i kill a person and shake the life out of them it's right there reminding me like why i had one uncomplete quest and it was one where you had to go across multiple planets and give specific pieces of vestments to different people I, or something to that extent. It was like a fetch quest across multiple planets. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just no. I could edit out all the progress, but not even that. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. There's two. I think there's only a game quests that's like, like here's that. your 500 locations. And then they're like, what if you had to do, like visit all of them for one quest? That's always. <sighs> that's and the payoff is like bad. Andromeda has there's... one of those inevitably. And you're like, there's like. 10 locations you tried to attach them all to one quest just to make me fucking like stare at loading screens continuously for half an hour like why did you make this quest you had the choice to just not do this yeah I, I i remember there being two the other one i think was just going across the same map but the map was enormous you had to go across all the map and just activate some things randomly and then the payoff was just like some bollocks being like oh yeah thanks that helps here's money and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not doing the other one. Money that is very important in that game, as we well know. That in ammo. And healing <laughs> items. Almost every RPG that isn't pathologic really struggles to have any kind of like any kind of internal economy that makes any sense or you have to think about ever. Like, I don't yeah. know, there's a bunch of money and there's a bunch of bullets and there's a bunch of guns, and it's like almost inevitably those entire games are like you found your favorite gun once 10 hours ago and that's all you carry and you passively pick up ammo without thinking about it and you just kind of like are basically trying to come up with things to even spend money on because it's hard to even find things that are worth it it's like i don't they're mass just in, it's like an incoherent genre mass effect 2 does it in a really weird way where basically you always have money for everything but just enough so it feels like money is just another here's items that you get for free instead of instead of like because you do get items for free, but you also get money. And and it's, it's really weird because I'm at the end of the game now and I have almost no money, but I bought everything. And it's just like, sure, this feels nothing. <laughs> Could have, might as well just give me the, the items instead of the money because the money is always super ri ridiculous as well. You arrive in, a, in like a, a space station trying to save whoever is remaining there and well, there's a PDA. Let me hack this PDA while there's enemies shooting at me. And then I get 320 credits or something like that. It's just like ridiculous. Especially in my Let's Play where I'm editing out all of the mini games because of course I am. Uh, and it's just like PDA, hack, click a button and it's just money. And I'm like, yes, that is definitely not weird at all that I'm doing this. And it's always PDAs. Like it's, it's also so lovely that people have PDAs in space. <laughs> is handy yeah they store their, dude, their dude, info your, in your uh, entire approach of like obsessively editing out the boring parts of rpgs is just such a thing i can't <laughs> imagine 
I'm very satisfied. I'm just resigned to them. It's like, yep, you're doing this for the 500th time. Wish the I, game I, was I, different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there's value in that as well. It's like the point that, that uh, like H Bomber guy's video about Deus Ex and how just the sheer number of time you have to play the hacking mini game, and then they also made lock picking the hacking mini game again, and you're like, no, please, mm -hmm. you stop making me play the same thing forever. There's the, incidentally the Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided was one actually Human Revolution was uh, one of the um, last games that I didn't edit, so that Let's Play is full of mini games. Yeah. Because it is, is, it is absurd. I do enjoy that one, though, but it is still absurd. It's mindless. So that's why I like it. Better than Frogger. Or uh, what's the <laughs> Mass Effect 2 one? Just Thank match, God. match cards. Mass Effect 1 is a Frogger game in, in, like, a circle. And Mass Effect 2 is, like, these little things where you hover over them and you see the icon and just have to match two. It's like well, I played Mass Effect 1 on... Uh... I played Mass Effect 1 on Xbox, where it's just a QTE, basically. Oh. Like, they just say to really? press these buttons. I don't, I don't remember if it's... If you just press the buttons when they light up, or if it's Simon Says, where it says a sequence, and then you have to repeat it, but it's, like, one of those. That's it. It just shows the four face buttons mm. of the Xbox controller. The, uh, the, with the, sir, sir, the cylindrical Frogger thing is something they added for the PC version, like, a year later, I think. Mm. Uh, and that's all new... It's it's ridiculous. It it was, it's all Bethesda's fault, basically. <laughs> I blame it's it on their Bethesda. Fault. All those all fucking mini games where you have to like. tap at tumblers and try not to snap yeah. your fucking <laughs> and the and the persuasion mini game. And you're constantly you, like, like, why do I have a skill in this if I still have to play the mini game? Like, which is itself is a and separate the mini game skill levels check. your skill up. So all you have to do is just fail at the minigame well, and succeed in sequence. Why am I doing a real-life skill check for a thing that I bought a skill for? It's, it's And then the minigame is so badly designed. So the, the for those who don't know what we're talking about, this is Oblivion. And basically when you talk to people, if you want them to like you better, you play a minigame at them. And the minigame, the way yeah, it's the designed pie. is your... You click on the, the pie. pie. Yeah, yeah. So the pie always rotates in the same direction. There's some little details here and there so i'm not gonna go into all the details i know exactly how it works because i i have played the game multiple times but um th basically the pie always the pie always rotates in the in the clockwise di direction and some people will be more susceptible to bribes for example or uh, i say bribes but it's the, the the four parts of the pie are charm uh taunt uh, uh intimidate and things like that uh, so it's basically four different things that you can do at people that you're that you used to be able to do in Morrowind with with different skill or with different uh, actions, but now you do it you do them in um, in a mini game, and so different people will have different reactions to that, and you can see what they like. The difficulty comes in with the rotation of the pie, so you need to min max sort of where the pie goes and and yeah, you predict where it's going to go. Points. Which means mm -hmm. that, so, first of all, the absurdity is that you have to do all of those things in every conversation. The implication exactly. that you're, you're just randomly like being funny and then intimidating and then charming and whatever, like in this, in, uh, in, in and always, in in, you always have to do all four of them in some order before you can then reset and do them again. And that's just how you're interacting again, with yeah. them somehow as a person, which is like, yes, what does that mean? But, that, <laughs> but then, of course, so there's also the, there's also the fact that like 
when you play it, what you do is you just load up the thing and then you just like highlight all of the fucking react things to, that you can do because you don't even have to judge how effective each one is based on how they react to it. You preemptively just highlight the menu options and their face changes with each one somehow. Exactly. And so you can like, exactly. so you can tell in advance. So yeah, you, you just line up, you li you line up, uh, you just test the, you see what their facial reaction is to each one. And then you just calculate in your head what order to click on them to make the big wedges happen on the good faces and the small wedges exactly. to happen on the small faces. And it's like, it's a baffling, incomprehensible mini game that is both <laughs> very strange to think about how they made it, but also like, it's really hard to think about like what it's supposed to mean in universe and <laughs> represent. And it's just, and, and once again, you're like, but I have a skill in this. Why am I playing a mini game? <laughs> And it's a mindless mini game as well. Like it's yeah. not a like the first time, the first few times you're gonna need to like think of what you're doing. But once you get the grip, it's like it's just you know exactly what you're doing. It's just click, 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 click. And the, so what ends up happening for somebody watching you play is that there's this you're talking to this character and you're clicking on a wheel up there, and the character is making faces at you <laughs> as they go through all the different stages. Because <laughs> as you click, 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 they're like smile, frown, frown, smile, frown, frown. And it's like ridiculously looking but this is by design as well because how the game works is if you wait too long while you're playing the minigame you start the minigame right you click on the button start to persuade or whatever and as you're playing the their reaction is going down it's ticking down so it's a timed game as well so you're incentivized to do it fast <laughs> so like it looks ridiculous because you're good at the game at the minigame but also the game wants you to be fast so it always looks like it was designed from the ground up to be stupid <laughs> And I just cannot understand that minigame. And and oh, and we're not and the characters talk as well. It's not just the faces that they're making. They also say, "Oh, you're drunk." So they cut each other. <laughs> they get themselves you off as they react, mate. Yeah, and it's always the last one that that just they. And get they're to also say all voiced by the same three people. It's yes, it's just absurd to no end, and they have and Bethesda was just obsessed with minigames because. The, the, because the, well bethesda is just they're, they're misguided about a lot of things uh, and that's one of the many misguided things that they do is the mini games they look at what morrowind did where you just have a a random chance at hitting uh, a person and they're like no you shouldn't have a random chance of hitting a person because that is not fun and so what they do is they always hit it just does different amounts of damage but they also look at the mini games where you have a random chance of opening a lock and they say no that's just a chill, skill check that's not fun let's make it a mini game and that is even worse than the always hitting weapons, somehow. Morrowind was also bad in certain ways. Like, <laughs> oh my god, all it's, the takes. Well, I mean, I mean Morrowind's persuasion very, yeah. stat. <laughs> yeah, My persuasion is broken. It's there's, just not there's no there's no use case where persuasion is a playable mechanic in that game. Exactly. Like it's yeah. literally useless. Every time you click persuade, all you do is make people hate you all game yes. so the the way to to make people that stop happening is you get an auto clicker and you walk up to one guy and you just have it auto click persuade for like half an hour and then you piss him off so much for so long that eventually you become a god of persuasion and you max out the skill and then he goes back to liking you and then everyone for the rest of the game will like you instead of hating you Mm -hmm. that is there, one way there, 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 there is no period of time where it's like oh man what a gamble i better let's see if i can use persuade or something it's like it's literally useless until it's impossible to fail like yeah. <laughs> it's a complete waste of a mechanic it makes no sense the, but like in bethesda's defense i think their intention wasn't that 
they 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 just like, I assume I think people generally intend for a game to not be poopy butthole, but then in the game <laughs> happened the way it do, and I then you're like, oh, no, no, bad. I think what they intended was that you should have, find people to train you in persuasion because you have trainers for skills, and then once you get to be trained, you can talk to people and try to get them to like you better instead of having them pissed off when you try to admire them or whatever. Um, Someone persuading yeah, you to pay them money to train you in persuasion is even paying money, even bribing indication is of someone being a good at persuasion oh that's a good call yeah but even bribing people is a, a persuasion check uh, and uh, yeah but it's very useful though it's a very useful skill and i think i i i get where they were coming from because the taunt mechanic is broken basically you get to kill anybody for free or when i say free is i mean the the, the guards don't come in and and bribe and uh and arrest you stop you so violated if, the law i did the meme <laughs> i said it i said the thing everybody reward me mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, basically the uh, the um, the way it works is you go up to a person that you mean to kill and instead of just attacking them, you taunt them. And if you are good at taunting them, they actually attack you instead. And in the laws of Morrowind, if you uh, kill somebody so in self-defense... Morrowind's self a stand your ground state. Is, yeah. I exactly. that joke. <laughs> it's a, it's Pop a, right there, criminal scum! Oh, here we go. <laughs> That's the voice. The voice that is half the game. West the, the other, the other one is that like list that one like that one woman with like the the slow Linda, the Linda slow, Carter, the dreamy voice. That's like I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, Carter. Fully I think listening to what's happening right now. Stop! <laughs> she, I need your help. That my house is full of rats. <laughs> she's iconic, but she's not very good. There's like two I'm, voice I'm, actors in that game. It's incredible. Uh. Oh yeah, and so so yeah, I think that that's the that's what happens with with a, a persuasion in Morrowind. But also, that's what happens with jumping in Morrowind. That's what happens with running in Morrowind. You just leave your character auto running because the button the the games have auto run buttons. You just press Q or whatever, and it just runs against the wall for the whole night. And then you wake up in the morning, you're level 100 in athletics or something. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they didn't expect that, but I I'm sure they knew that. They knew that was going to happen when they designed the game. But then they went and designed Oblivion, where you just cast restoration spells as you jump around the cliffs. Because that's how you train restoration in athletics. It's yeah, like, you, train, you train most skills in those games by just using them repeatedly. Yeah, that is a misguided... By the way, I'm sorry. I know that's Elder Scrolls. And that's how it is. And I, I know a lot of people love it. But that is a misguided design philosophy. It's also a reactionary... Oh, not in the political sense, but it's. I was going to say we were going with this, <laughs> just like the mini games, because it's looking at uh, traditional role playing mechanics where you get to spend points leveling up and being like, no, that's not realistic enough, and and coming up with worse solutions, because real, yeah, because it is realist. It is it's realist to piss somebody off for for half an hour with an auto clicker <laughs> or the mini game in Oblivion. Being Bethesda able to level their... your skill by downloading an auto clicker is always bad. Yes, that's that's a bad implementation of whatever that skill is because it means you were just asking people to do those clicks for real. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't do that. I just use the the command console to upgrade my skill and pretend that I did it with this. this <laughs> <laughs> fade to, fade uh... to black on the let's play. I left it running for the whole night. I didn't really. Morrowind tried. I appreciate the yeah, part the where they had me reading through a giant journal to figure out what the fuck's going on and, yeah. and, what, and what I forgot and so on. And then you try to like 
then you're like writing down like what your bus route is to get to your commute to where you want to go because <laughs> like yeah there's like a the mage teleportation and the silk striders or whatever and you're like okay th these two things are two separate overlapping networks of like the metro basically and i need to figure out the best way to get to fucking thancrit or whatever i don't know any names they're the silt striders keith wow get it with the yeah get, get because the they're yeah because they're walking in silt or whatever and i don't think so i think that's just a name no like silt silt, silt is, is a term yeah yeah oh, no it's a grain right. size classification oh i didn't know that yeah know it goes uh, it goes it goes clay and then silt and then sand and then pebbles and then cobbles and then boulders oh that makes total sense so I silt thought it was is some... finer than sand but less fine than clay I always oh, thought it was like that's pretty much the or... entire setting of Morrowind. Well, until you get to the volcano yeah. shit. The thing about Morrowind, though, and I, I, I still send Morrowind. Is you get to be a greatest. really janky uh, werewolf, so plus two points right there. <laughs> at a ten, I, I, I stand by Morrowind being the best game Bethesda ever made, but also being one of the best games ever, um, despite all this jank. And and I think the testimony to that is that in comparison to another one of the best games ever, Fallout One. Uh, in, you, Keith, had the intended experience with Morrowind, but you did not have the intended experience with Fallout One. Or they should have been. They should have intended better. <laughs> they should have. Been, yeah. So Morrowind achieves a lot of its goals, I think, and uh, even though there's, it's ambitious and too ambitious in a lot of them, I think in a lot of regards, it's just ahead of its time as well. I feel, and Bethesda just didn't grab a lot of the nice things that it had, just waypoints and. Fast traveling. Oblivion is is a step back. Oblivion was my starting point. I like the part where I played most of the campaign before I slept for the first time. So suddenly the entire <laughs> I, I gained twelve levels or fifty levels or some nonsense number, and then the entire landscape of enemies in the entire world suddenly swapped out to be completely different enemies <laughs> because I skipped from level one to like level twenty or something. <laughs> because i didn't know that i needed to sleep and that's it's like, weird it's weird because your skills are bad. getting yeah. stronger so why do you need to level what yeah that's the like, thing they, like but, there's something else that leveling does that you like skill like stats or something but like all of your skills just level up period and then they're higher like that's it you don't like need to like sleep to gain access to level 53 conjuration it just is that because you conjurationed a mm -hmm. lot but the thing, the thing, there's two problems with Mar with Oblivion in that in that system, and I, I think we've talked about it before. But the leveling up of, uh, like, it's as you say that your you, the leveling up of your stats doesn't affect your character nearly as much. So what ends up happening is that if you focus too much, for example, in in uh, sword fighting, and it, by level ten you're maxed out at your sword fighting, you're like fighting enemies at level ten and just having a swell time. The you more you level up, the hard the game get yeah you, you get weaker yeah because it, you, you maxed any, out your anything. skill early on and it will never get higher <laughs> so mm -hmm. you're just going to be that level of sword fighter forever as the game gets harder and harder yep i don't know yep. i've never yep. <sighs> bethesda's games have never really been very fun <laughs> despite <laughs> despite the fact that their shallowness especially more recently is to make them fun like they're not fun because they they're not satisfying to play and they're not mechanically interesting. So you just kind of mindlessly do one action for the entire game for combat. And it's like, mm -hmm. 
one of the ways that I got really got like punched in the nose by that as a kid was when I tried playing uh, the arena storyline in Oblivion, and it was just mindlessly instantly winning fights. Then I was like, it okay, really I should bad. turn up the difficulty slider, which was not even like. It wasn't even like easy, medium, hard. It was just a fucking slider of like infinite scaling of like, what, you, what am I even supposed to think this means? So I, I pump it up to being high and it's like, oh, everyone's invincible now. <laughs> like they take yeah. like no damage and also they have healing spells. So they just get, get healed every time they take any damage and it's just a forever. But I'm still just whapping them with the sword forever because that's like what my character does. And I'm like, what? This isn't fun either. I, my, cho my choice was <laughs> yep. unfun but easy or unfun but fucking tedious <laughs> like pulling staples yep. and i've done enough of that mm -hmm. that's my go that's my go-to reference for like a tedious I activity is working at the upholstery shop pulling staples out of things <laughs> one of the uh last things i did with oblivion back when it came out was I had this whole plan. I had the game modded and all that, and I knew what I wanted, and I was going to finish the game. And I had this whole plan about how to level my character properly. At the time, I did not understand the, the problem with the leveling system, so oh, it was a misguided attempt. But I got to level in, on maximum difficulty, so I, I had the slider cranked up to the maximum, and every mud crab took me five minutes to kill. Um, and I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's, just, it's absolutely atrocious. Uh, because the game is not intended to be played like that, but they allow you to. Uh, and I got to level 33. I re recall this number distinctly because, of course, I did. It was like 100 hours of gameplay. I got to level 33 without leaving the capital island, which is the first little island where the capital city is in. And just by killing mud because like every mud crab would level you up like five times already because you're just spending so long <laughs> swinging your sword. <laughs> and it's just and like. It took me, uh, uh, I, I remember, it took, I think it took me like almost 100 hours. Straight up making single-player RPGs MMO tedious. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I was min-maxing all my uh, all You're my suffering well. I had for all, no one. <laughs> I had them all in a spreadsheet and be like, okay, I leveled up my, my athletics eight times, and I leveled up my acrobatics twice, so this allows me to get my strength up by five, this level up, okay, that's good. Let's not level up any restoration because I don't need intelligence this level, you know, because that's how the game incentivizes you to min-max if you really pay attention to the leveling system. And uh, that was the last thing I did with Morrowind, oh, sorry, with Oblivion, when I uh, reached the point of, this is just dumb, I'm going to play something else. <laughs> and also, also, that's when I really started understanding the problem with level scaling, and people were like, this game is always the same because of level scaling, and I was like, that's, that is actually, that is a problem, isn't it? It's always the same until it's, until it's much worse than all the same. Yes. Which just starts actively breaking itself in front of you. Mm -hmm. There was and a funny example of that. Attention. Was it uh, Marty was telling me an example of that for World of Warcraft, where I guess the I think it was for Battle for Azeroth. The uh, the leveling experience was fucked up in a way where every time you leveled up, you got weaker. <laughs> what? Because uh, what they're doing is they're they're uh, they're playing through the entire uh, leveling experience using raiding gear they got last expansion, uh, hmm. and so every time they level up, their stats are staying the same because like their gear they're not they're not getting new gear because their gear is better than uh, what they had. Their, their their gear from before is better than anything they're finding. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happens is every time they level up the amount of like say agility or whatever that you need in order to get like or like like your versatility and your like let's do an easy stat like critical like your crit score 
like your mm-hmm. your critical stat uh it takes more crit stat to get a percentage of crit chance the higher level you get because it's trying to scale as it goes oh which means that your gear which has the same stats the whole time is resulting in you getting less crit every level even though the number is staying the same your 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 crit chance is dropping every level Mm -hmm. so like while they're playing through the expansion every single enemy got stronger as they leveled up because because like they were just getting weaker with every level it's just like a really bizarre quirk of that setup but that also because they were using sort of gimped items yeah but they're they're specifically their gear like nothing was dropping that's better than that it's just the weird quirk of the fact that like their uh their stats are worth less every level because that's how they scale it as you go Mm mm-hmm there's a lot of weird relics and messes throughout that entire game these days. Like, they keep doing uh, stat crunches to make the game less incomprehensible with having infinity large, like, bullshit numbers everywhere because there's so many expansions of power creep and everything. So they're like, uh, reducing all numbers by, like, 50% again or something like that just to try to make it squish. And then they try to make the entire game scale with you as you level through it so you can play different zones in different order and try to try to make it have, like more of the game have value to players because you level too fast and there's like 12 expansions of of content and so on so it's like how do you parcel Mm. this so it leads to really funny situations where you'll get you'll finish a quest and you'll get a choice between two pieces of gear and they both have the same stats (laughs) oh yeah that's weird it's just a really funny outcome because they're like i it's just it's just (laughs) all the changes that they make collectively make the game less coherent as it goes but also like I don't even know how you fix that. At some point, it's just like stop making the same game forever. Like it's yeah, this game's been out yeah. since two thousand four yeah. or something, and trying to bolt more expansions onto it forever creates all these problems that almost no one's have to had to deal with before because they usually die by now. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's just I, th- I I don't understand MMOs as a replacement, or I don't understand how people find enjoyment in MMOs as a replacement for things like Overwatch or Counter-Strike. Because they, they, a lot of people play them like that, and I just don't get it. Just a daily you know time mean? killer thing, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, because if, you, if you're just, if a game is fun and you play it because you have fun with it, then you don't need progression to keep playing. It's fun, right? But if yeah. the game has progression then it progression towards what you need to have a goal and if the goal is always changing then you don't have you don't really have progression do you it's just like in a lot of ways you don't yeah no a lot of a lot of world of warcraft is about like the illusion of progress and the longer you play it the more blatant that gets like uh originally i stopped raiding when i accomplished getting the uh the Warblades of Azanoth off of Illidan, which is his big green dual uh, war glaives that he always has and all the art and shit. My rogue had that. I'm like, here we go. I beat WoW. And then I just quit. <laughs> I sold my account. Uh, I, only rec- I only got in back into it more recently just to play with friends and so on. So it's mm-hmm. kind of fun to play in a raiding guild. But like, you have like the... Like, it really is a game where you just rush to the end of the game and then you either engage in PvP or you raid, basically. And if you're raiding, then it's like... Basically, it's just you and your group of friends meet up every week to try to progress through this dungeon more. And then mm-hmm. af- then 
within three months or so you probably finished it and on whatever difficulties you were ever going to do and then a new patch comes out and here's the new raiding dungeon and that happens like three times and then after it's happened like three times they, then you're hearing about the next expansion coming out next in six months or whatever that's just the loop mm -hmm. that's continued for like 15 years now and uh What's really blatant about it is how quickly all content is just obsolete. Like, the moment that, like, if you're playing 9.0 and then 9.1 comes out, everything before doesn't matter. Like, the 9.1 patch will add an entire new region to play in with its entire new quest structure and its new reputation to grind through and uh, its own rating tier, but also some kind of weird, like, casual player friendly, like, upgrade gear set thing and so on. And then 9.2 comes out and invalidates that entire region. And now there's no reason to go to, go to that region. And so, like, when I was when I first joined their guild, I was playing around in a... Uh, so there was, like, a... In Battle for Azeroth, there was, like, a, a like a Atlantis-looking place. And I, I took the time to figure out how to get into this big upgrade system and understand how it worked and figure out what the system was about, just kind of respecting the game to have a reason for me to do the things that it's asking me to do and then like the moment i set foot like i quickly realized i, I capped out the entire system only to realize it was weaker than the stuff i'd already gotten from a, another zone that i guess came out afterwards and like the entire game is just this endless roadmap of those kinds of zones for like most of the content is basically pointless and even the newest content becomes pointless like three months after it comes out and they've just been like it's it, I've used the the metaphor or whatever already this episode, but it is like playing being a developer at Blizzard for that game is like just being somebody whose job it is to put tra the tracks out in front of the train while it's moving, and you just, it just keeps going, and those tracks just matter while the train passes them, and that's just what WoW is. It's an endless content graveyard. That's sad. It kind but of not, is, yeah. Not from... <laughs> like, yeah, like not, at, not... at least, like at least in Final Fantasy, it's like it's always like here's the big linear story that you're gonna play through, and because it it's built around caring about the story, there's also like all that there's all there's reason to go back through all the content because you can unlock cosmetics, but also like learn what happened throughout the story and so on, and that's kind of not there in WoW. It's just. In fact, the story is mostly incoherent, and even if you want to learn all of it, uh, everything that happened before Cataclysm doesn't exist now. Go play Classic WoW, yeah. I guess. Oops. Content's so good, we got rid of it. <laughs> it's, Destiny I, I did that too because... recently, which I'm just baffling. Yep. I say it sad because it's DLC it, too. If you think about all the games that so many people... Uh, Non-MMO games... That so many people devote so much time of their life to play. Like in the future, people are going to be able to go back and see, oh, this is what people played back in 1998. But for WoW, it's not like that. They're going to be able to read about it. They're going to be able to see Let's Plays, maybe. Me, I'm Let's Plays. <laughs> Don't worry. MMOs. Oh, yeah, we're Don't over time. Huh? I got I got carried around. I got carried away drawing for a bit. <laughs> mm. It's time for us what to go to bed. This... Not really go to bed. It's time for us to continue the cycle to the next I'm part of the day bed. and the whatnots. Yeah, you're gonna go to bed because mm -hmm. you're in. It's late for you, but for us, it's it's four thirty. It's food time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
on with our days. Good night, everybody. Send your questions to dialoguechoicespodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer you. I'll ask them and then we'll see if they get answered <laughs> or we'll just <laughs> go somewhere else with it. <laughs> Bye. Probably somewhere else. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Goodbye.